Dale, Chamberlain of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, the Marketech Samuel Plan, the Devil's Advocate Shinobi, the Lunatic King Maverick, and single syllable mother, the right side of the pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. What's up, Lords of Pain, and welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday and it's WrestleMania weekend. Finally, it is upon us. Seems like maybe the longest wait for a WrestleMania uh, I can ever remember. I mean, has it ever gone this deep into April before? I can't recall, really. Uh, I would be tempted to say it's not gone much deeper. That's what she said. <laughs> well, we started early on the on these ones. Um, that yeah, was it, a, that was a, a Michael Scott tribute, not an un-PC moment, by the way. Uh, well, you know, uh, I'm sure you'll just uh, do what all the celebrities do and just like do like the notes app, like apology, where you just like post that on your Twitter. <laughs> um, but I yeah, apologize. It, it does I, definitely seem. It does definitely seem that um, we've waited a long time for this WrestleMania. Uh, the build has uh, had two pay-per-views, um, both dual brand. I think that's maybe the first time that's happened as well. Uh, so uh, lots of firsts. We're back in New York, uh, where, of course, WrestleMania 29 took place, um, which, you know, maybe has a little bit in common with this in being a bit of a sort of ill-starred, build a, a sort of um, a WrestleMania which 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 maybe kind of people were a little bit um, down on but I guess we're going to see I've actually managed to get myself reasonably hyped up for this in the last couple of days I think my mood has just kind of brightened as as, as uh, basically ever since I appeared on on your podcast well yesterday I guess of time of <laughs> time of time of airing but um but uh, sort of you know pull back the curtain time of airing Yes, pull, but to pull back the curtain, uh, a week ago when I kind of recorded that segment with you, um, that was actually the, the thing that made me feel better about the whole thing. Well, I said uh, to uh, Sir Sam, who was on the first half of that show when I was recording with him, that uh, I think I did anyway, or I dreamt that I did. But at some point, I have at least thought that I said to Sir Sam uh, that, uh, that doing those, or it may have even been you, I can't remember. At some point, the thought has crossed my mind that doing those alternative pre-shows uh, on SEID uh, are, uh, for me as a fan, uh, a really healthy thing because the, I do manage to talk myself up into getting excited for the shows. Uh, and I think that's a testament to what just engaging in a bit of good faith with, you know, the fictional side of wrestling is, but that's a whole, uh, you know, whole topic for another for another day. But, that's literally um, your whole brand. I, I, because I'm, I'm very much... I'm very much you know, of the same mindset. And I know that Sasam has said as well that he is that, uh, you know, the build has been pretty awful or, you know, when you, when you consider it all in, but, uh, we're, we're a few days away now, a couple of days away and, uh, you know, takeover is tonight as of airing. Um, so we're practically, we're basically at WrestleMania weekend by the time the show's going out. And yeah, it's, even though there's 15 matches on the card, uh, you know, and I have uh, an ever more decreasing sense of confidence that the result I most want on the night is going to happen. Uh, nonetheless, you know, it's there's there's what's interesting about this is that the matches that I think people care about 
feel really refreshing comparatively to previous years and everything else is has been it's weird it's almost been so poorly constructed that you don't have any expectation and that feels quite liberating to not have you know to, to just have this positive expectation of the, like the top three or four matches that you care about and everything else can just be what it is well uh, you know what i was thinking about this and it's this to me you know in a best case scenario it is a bit of a combination of like WrestleMania 7, WrestleMania 31, WrestleMania 6. It's got something of, of all of those shows, I think. You know, it's got the thing about 31 where you've got a, a kind of a, a couple of part time things going on. Um, but they feel like special attractions rather than kind of integral to the show. Um, it's got the kind of WrestleMania 6 loads of matches, but some of them you know, sort of just stuck on the cards because, um, and it's got the kind of, um, WrestleMania seven sort of, I don't know. Like it seems like it could be a bit of a sleeper hit. Um, so I think for me, the amount of matches isn't as much of a concern as what they're going to do in between all of those matches. Because as you said the other week, you know, that's the real issue. It's not that every match is half an hour long anymore. Like, they've kind of got past that. Like, it was, was it WrestleMania 28 where, apart from the Brian Sheamus thing, everything was, like, half an hour long? Um, but they, they've kind of gone by that now, and it's more that the matches are reasonable lengths, but but what they're doing in between all those matches is taking all the time up. So, you know, I, I am in an optimistic place as as, as we speak. Um, let's Let's kind of... Yeah, it's, it's another one where I'm, I'm happy to just kind of sit there and, and watch on the night and kind of enjoy it and hope, you know, just kind of maybe invest as a fan. As she said, like, when you do those kind of in-universe previews, it helps you engage with the characters rather than the writing, which I think Absolutely. with WWE is, is, is perhaps in the modern age um, a better way to go, which isn't to say I think all the writing's been bad. I think actually, ironically, some of the worst matches have been built the most sensibly in some ways like you know shaman and miz whatever you think about the pairing like the actual way they built the angle was quite classical and same with triple h and batista so um yeah let's let's kind of get into it anyway because we've got a lot of matches to uh to get through here so we know already that on the pre-show is going to be the two battle royals let's start with the women's battle royal um which, of course, controversially uh, at one point in its history was going to be known as the Moolah Battle Royal. And then they kind of, you know, had to climb down from that due to the fact that she was, you know, uh, in, in the modern parlance, problematic. Um, so, so far announced from Raw, we have Dana Brooke, Mickey James, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan. And from SmackDown, Asuka, ouch, Carmella, Naomi. Lana, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Zelina Vega, and um, is Nikki Cross attached to either brand? She doesn't seem to be, according to Wikipedia. So, yeah, but Nikki Cross is going to be in it as well. Um, I always enjoy some Nikki Cross, so I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, we don't spend tons of time on this. Um, likely winners, Ruby Riot, Asuka, those are the two out of the people surely announced. You've, got, you've surely got to think that Asuka's going to at least win a battle royal, right? I mean, yeah, you hope pre-showed, so. quote unquote, as the phrase goes. Although I could maybe see someone like Mandy Rose um, pulling it out. But like you say, I mean, the, the, 
the sad thing is the story of this is that Asuka has gone from being in a match that should have closed the show last year to being in the Battle Royal. Yeah, which is um, which is you know distressing, isn't it? I mean, I funny enough, I, I replied to a column uh, by a former main page writer Skullduggery in the Columns Forum um, this week. And he'd written a column saying, you know, one of the he thought it was progress that you, the women's division had definable jobbers now. And I said to him, well, the problem is, is that outside of the three top women, none of the characters are defined. So I, I don't think you can really say the women's division has made progress until you can say that everyone has a character. And I think, you know, Asuka being like bizarrely relegated to this position is just it's just a sign that actually there's still an awfully long way to go with the women's division before they kind of got it on an even keel for me. Yeah, there's been a there's been a uh, a uh, a lopsided economy of attention with the the women this year, hasn't it? They've gone so all in with the quite literally with the you know the fact you know they're going to plug this as a great success for women's wrestling because it's the first time they've closed out WrestleMania, um, and they've got the tag team match on the on the main card as well. But otherwise, everyone else is in it is in a battle royal that got announced on social media. It's telling so, to me. So, so it's, it's kind of like they, they peddle one narrative and then their actions sort of, and like you say, everyone in that battle royal really doesn't have that. There's, there's kind of, there's the signals of characters here and there, but no one really has a three dimensional character. And, you know, I think the fact that, um, you know, on raw this week, they had, uh, the most kind of generic, uh, 2000 and, eight uh eight woman tag team match you know you could have taken that match from raw monday night and put it anywhere in the dark days and it would have fit like a glove um so didn't they didn't um they kind of mixed it up with some of the male performers didn't they i think didn't they all have a brawl at the end of that tag match and Asuka like threw someone out threw one of the male competitors out of the ring at the end oh not that bit i was talking i was talking about the the that attack match with like uh uh the iconics um it's like the iconics and the Deeves of doom against uh natalia beth phoenix and uh sasha and um, bailey and it was they just had this really generic eight woman tag match that you know, right. was a bit of a kind of throwback in the worst way possible to uh, early early women's wrestling in WWE. Um, but yeah, yeah it's I, I think it's just quite telling, really, that um, uh, the SmackDown women's title has been kind of thrown into this main event um, as opposed to having a match in its own right. And I think both of us have said like. You know, if we'd have been in charge, we'd have had Asuka v Charlotte and um, and Becky v Ronda, and then you'd have had a you could have done a double main event if you Absolutely. wanted to, like have them go back to back at the end of the night. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's uh, maybe something for next year. Who knows? Um, so Asuka to win that probably we're saying um, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal um, is it is it the uh, the fifth time we've had this now. Um, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 Sixth Sixth time, wow, okay So we've got these two jabronis from Saturday Night Live um, Of course the traditional American celebrities Who uh, nobody knows Who the hell they are uh, Part of WrestleMania well, No international viewers know who the hell they are But they're from Saturday Night Live or something 
Um, they do. Uh, they they. I think they write Saturday Night Live in part, and I think uh, they do. There's a segment on SNL uh, called Weekend Update, which is kind of like a news uh, thing that they do every week as well. Because of course, um, you know, really, what Raw needs is more writers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so also in the Battle Royal, um, we have got uh, Braun Strowman, Apollo Crews, Titus O'Neil, Tyler Breeze, Jinder Mahal, No Way Jose, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, Callisto, Graham Metalik, Lindsay Dorado, Bo Dallas, is he still employed? Curtis Axel, Heath Slater, Rhino, Victor, Connor, Andrade, uh, Ali... Apparently has no first name now. Shelton Benjamin, uh, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Otis, Tucker, and EC3. And Mazza. And Mazza's here WrestleMania, too. baby! Woo! <laughs> I mean, I much preferred it when Jabronis did actually get that slot of just talking from WWF New York. I think it was probably a better way to get them on the cars, really. But yeah, big Absolutely. show. will forever living infamy for that moment. Absolutely. It's a shame that they don't uh, they don't use this more as a platform because you know Andrade, Ali, Braun, you've got some incredible talent in there, and uh, you could easily have you know. But I remember the first year they did it; they did a good job of building towards it, sort of around Ziggler and Christian and Del Rio and someone else, I think. And while I was disappointed that they oh Sheamus as well, and I was disappointed they didn't pair those off in like two uh, sort of undercard matches, but. Um, you know, you could you could do more with it. Sadly, this I think smacks of a, a, a publicity stunt, doesn't it? You don't put the SNL guys in there unless they're going to be central to the whole thing, and you can just see one of them winning it, so that in ten years' time, when they've run out of celebrities to put into the Hall of Fame, they can go, oh well, you know, Colin Jost and Michael Che won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, I would think Strowman is the the, the hot favourite for this though, right? It's going to be like it's going to be like the Drew Carey thing where like Braun Strowman like throws one of them like half a mile down the road. I uh, was I uh, well maybe, but I had uh, I I live in fear that it's going to be more of a Gronkowski thing. Can, can we get get Machine Gun Kelly in it? He takes a good bump. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd rather not see Machine Gun Kelly in anything ever again, but. Uh... <laughs> Is, is Owens in this? Is Owens not? No, he's not. He's not booked, I don't think. Owens hasn't been announced for this, and he, he hasn't been booked in anything else either. No, I mean he's obviously you know ready to go. No, because he wrestled. A, he wrestled a main yeah. event. Last well, that's month. the that's the problem, though, isn't it? It's like they they brought him back for this fast lane thing. I had no plan for him for Mania. It's just it's one of those things again where they kind of um, chucked somebody in without thinking about it to a, and change the published main event. And then they've kind of gone, Oh yeah. All oh, right. We'll just have them do talk shows now from the, the little, maybe they'll do a Kevin Owens show during WrestleMania. Who knows? Um, so I'm going to say Braun to win this one uh, plan. You're saying that Jabron is. Yeah. Uh, my head says Braun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for Andrade. Though. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I think Andrade could get the most out of this. Cause you know, if Braun wins it, he should have won it anyway. You know, I think uh, yeah. Andrade could use it as a platform, either Andrade or Ali. So, yeah, so those... just, just to be clear, your logic is Braun should win it, so shouldn't win it. Yeah. <laughs> save his dick. Yeah, look, Ronda killed it. Yeah, yeah, don't blame me. It's all on Ronda. 
What, what the kill kayfabe? Gosh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, we, we all believed until Ronda came along. <laughs> that meme never. I never get tired of seeing that meme. I saw one this week where someone posted it and he just said they weren't real cops, you know. <laughs> oh, they weren't dear. real cops. Deary me. Oh, was it? Somebody said something about. Um, I forget. One of the wrestlers was like, uh, "Leave those poor indie guys alone." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. All right, so um, let's move on to the last pre-show match, the headlining pre-show match, which is the cruiserweight title. Uh, Buddy Murphy, who, I mean, I tell you what, you, you got to say this with WWE. They do like a long-running title reign these days, don't they? It's like Buddy Murphy, who's been cruiserweight champion since. 1863 um, is now uh, taking on Tony Nice, who won a, a tournament to uh, to get to Buddy Murphy. So, I mean, a nice story for Tony Nice, who's who's worked his ass off on Tour Five Live for like the last three years. Um, good to good to see him in this spot. Um, hopefully, this year they won't put like weird adverts all over it like they did last year. Yeah, they probably, I wouldn't. They, they probably will. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too hopeful either. Um, I, I I like Nice. I do like Nice. I don't. I don't think he's got much to him outside of what he can do in the ring and a and a really good look. But you know, he's he's a pretty good wrestler and he's had some good uh, good work this year. You know, a few times he's popped up in the Power Ten or in contention for the Power Ten since I've been doing that. Uh, by me doing that, obviously, I mean Randall doing that. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I'm a fan, you know, I know neither of you are the biggest Buddy Murphy fans. I still don't get it either. I'm not quite sure what it is that Buddy Murphy brings to the table um, over there. I'm The person I'm gutted for in all this is Drew Gulak. Two years in a row, he's, you know, been doing fantastic work in that division. You know, almost the heel anchor of that division since the whole Neville Enzo uh, disaster. And once again, you know, he falls at the final hur- hurdle with WrestleMania in the balance. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of sure Gulak's not on the main roster at this point. Well, it seems to me. I mean, did you did you watch the Riddle match from uh, from NXT? Yeah, like um, it seems to me that he's going to be a, a regular part of NXT. Um, they seem to be implying that um, anyway. Uh, so I don't know, like uh, you think about NXT, they do probably need a couple of inverted commas workers, don't they? At the moment, if you kind of look at who might come up and stuff like well, that. I think the issue with NXT is they, they've almost the it, it feels like everyone is the same kind of performer there at the minute. And it feels like they to me anyway, and it feels like they ought to, to mix it up a little bit and put in someone like Gulak in there can uh, can, you know, can can do that. I mean, I. As for the cruiserweight match, I think that it's uh, it's uh, it's sad that uh, 205 Live, if anything, is cooler than it was this time last year, and I think that's because they've just put that championship on uh, two consecutive bad choices, first in Cedric Alexander and then in Buddy Murphy, and it's just sort of killed any momentum that the brand could have developed dead in the water. And now WWE apparently just see it as just another hour of television. Which ironically is probably the reason why they continually are able to pump out really good material because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think when you're not the focus of attention in WWE, that's when mm. you can succeed the most because just look at how overly tampered with the women's main event is this year. Uh, as a case in point, as to, I mean, Mav, you were saying before Mazza joined us that, you know, ironically, 
it's some of the least interesting matches that have been built up the best. And I think, again, that's because they haven't been the centre of Vince's increasingly fickle attention. So um, as for the match itself, I mean, I've, I've never really got the appeal with Buddy Murphy, as you mentioned, Mazar. I've never really even got much of the appeal about Tony Nese either. I think he comes off as a bit awkward, in all honesty. But uh, it is what it is. It'll fill a bit of air time. I'm sure they'll they'll do a damn good job. It's, it's, it's easy to forget that Buddy Murphy, to be fair to him, had an absolute blinder at Royal Rumble pre-show and another absolute blinder on the fast lane pre-show. So he's, he's, you know, he's got some form there and uh, I'm sure these guys will, uh, will put on a bit of a treat for the fans who get to their seats early, which will, you know, not be that many, relatively speaking, but there we are. I think the thing is with, um, I actually think Murphy, you can say a couple of things for him. Number one, he's had some, some damn good matches uh, with a, with a good range of people. So, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if he is personality-wise the the most um, interesting champion, but he certainly delivered in the ring. Um, and I think the idea of having a kind of heavyweight cruiserweight, I, I like that concept. So I think that's worked reasonably well. Um, and I, I think I like the fact that they went with Nice and not with Alexander again. Had they gone with another Alexander match, I'd have yeah. been just like, oh my God, I'm so done with this. Uh, I agree with your comments, plan, of course, that 205 remains a good product because essentially Triple H just gets to do his own thing with it and nobody really bothers him. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I would say probably Murphy to win again until they yep. find somebody that is maybe marketable in that division. Um, I, I don't really see oh, that God changing. God. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I mean, it might go that way, mightn't it? Um, there were rumours, there were rumours. I saw articles a while back that it may here. May come to pass that Gargano gets put there. As I said, the moment DIY split up, by the way. I mean, you know, it was it was it would make a lot of sense. Um it would make a lot of sense to me. Uh if you want to make two oh five a big deal again. Because of course when it was at its height, it's when it had Neville. And um yeah. and that's that it does need that focal point that everybody knows and can get behind or boo in the case of Neville. Um, yeah, I don't think that that's a bad call actually. You know, I don't. It, it doesn't need to be a long, long, long-term thing. Let him go there for a few months. You know, hold the bell, and you know, hopefully the, we get a heel come along that can, you know, carry it on, and he, Johnny can go to the main roster. And well, hopefully, he's... hopefully it's <laughs> hopefully it's not Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> well, I mean, he's injured at the minute anyway, isn't he? But um, you know, I think that the, the, the issue with Johnny Gargano going to the main roster is like. You've already got a thousand performers who are like Johnny Gargano on the main roster. So why do you need another one exactly? When the one place where they make the most sense is 205 Live and you don't really have any there. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Finn Balor would be a great fit there, you know, and, and it's... It, but, it, you know, it, it, I think Johnny Gargano would benefit as well from going to 205 Live exactly because of what we were saying. He wouldn't be the centre of attention, so he wouldn't have him, you know, his, his character sort of picked to pieces by by uh, Vince McMahon or, or the creative team or anything. So, Well, we are due an, an international draft soon, so um, we'll yeah. see what happens there uh, coming to a pond near you. When that happens, uh, you know, we can listen to all of Plan's angry reactions then. Um, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, let's dive into the main card. So uh, let's look at the women's tag titles. Uh, so we've got a, a fatal four-way, um, the Boston Hug Connection versus the Divas of Doom, 
versus the icon. Oh, I thought Divas of Doom was Nia Jax and Tamina. Apparently it's Beth Phoenix and Natalia. The Iconics and Nia and Tamina. Um, so uh, they've created the women's tag team belts. Bailey and Sasha said they'd defend them anywhere. And so I guess the gimmick is you take a couple of vets, one of whom is retired. You take somebody from a team from SmackDown and you take a team from Raw, and I guess that proves their point that they'll defend it anywhere or something. Um, any thoughts about this one? Not many. Uh, it's a shame that, that for some bizarre reason they felt a need to uh, put Beth Phoenix and Natalia in it. I'm not sure what that's all about. Um, but hey, whatever, you know, uh, it's fine. Uh, I don't know why Nia Jax and Tamina have to be in there either. I would be a lot more amped up for it if it was just Sasha and Bailey versus the Iconics, but I absolutely love, love, love the fact that the Iconics have got a spot on the main roster and haven't just been battle royaled uh, because I think they've earned it. I, I find them wildly entertaining and uh, I think they they can thrive in an environment like this because they can play off of the whole kind of crafty, you know, crafty bad guy trope that we've seen done by teams like, you know, Los Guerreros in the past. So uh, I imagine it's going to be action-packed thrifty and 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 fun oh billy and peyton to outlaw each other yeah that, that'd be a good finish <laughs> oh dear me um i i think that like plan says i would have loved to see just iconics be boss and hug that i mean nobody cared about beth phoenix when she was like relevant never mind now and literally nobody has ever cared about natalia ever anyway so i don't really understand that um and the naya and tamina thing they kind of played out by the end of elimination chamber it's like oh here well you know you need to get some hosses in here so here they are um but they didn't win that match so you know send us the back of the bloody line yeah it's it's done isn't it it's you know there's not much in the work i I think the problem is they've not really built up any credible challengers where so you've got you know the uh the samoans peaked too soon you know natty and beth have only just come around and you know it's if it was trish and lita you could probably get away with it but it's not you know and iconics are probably you know not at that position where they could carry it on their own just yet on a mania, you know, in, in the eyes of backstage. So they've just thrown, thrown everything at it, it seems, which is a shame because it would be nice to, you know, have those new tag titles in a prominent position, you know, in the, it, at their first WrestleMania. But, you know, if they make the, if they make the card, you know, even if it's a short fatal four way, it's something, I guess it's better than them all being in the battle Royal. And, you know, I think WWE have shown over the years, I mean, if you, even if you go back to WrestleMania 20, when they had, like, I think both sets of tag belts were in triple threats or fatal four ways that year, right? Yeah. Um, and they have shown this kind of, we have to get everyone a payday thing. And if they're going to do that, I'd rather they did it by doing multi-man matches in on the main card than, as you say, sticking everybody in the Battle Royal. Um so, yeah, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll see. I, I think I, I yeah I think like Plan says they'll just try and make it like as tornado as possible really. Um, give everyone their shine and then Sasha and Bailey retain presumably if they're going to do this rumored horsewoman thing at the end of the night. Well, is that actually rumored? Well, they can't. They can't because the the 
the women's main event is now the winner gets both titles. It is, but they can do some kind of, you know, Ru- uh, Rudy Poo, Charlotte shakes Becky's hand thing at the end of the match, can't they? I give you my title, the old... Um, yeah, Warrior Hogan. Type. <laughs> Be a man! <laughs> <laughs> Be the man! Oh my God, it's oh too God. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, it's too perfect, isn't it? Um, all right, so um, let's move on before this uh, gets out of hand. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. This is Angle's farewell match. Of course, there are still rumours flying around that Baron Corbin may get uh, replaced at the last minute. I hope he doesn't. I think it's a bit mean on, on him, really. Um like, it isn't necessarily his fault that WWE have completely, like, torpedoed his character every single turn since he's been on the main roster. And yet um, he somehow still managed to end up in the main event segment on the go-home show on Raw. I mean, for fuck's sake. You, I, I feel, you know, uh, we have, you know, a strange relationship with the vocal minority. I, I think... I think they're out of order this time. I think yeah. this is a logical conclusion to what's been going on. You know, it's not as if we're going to be robbed of a classic because Angle can't fucking work anyway now. Can't you know, move. you know, I'd I get it if Angle could still go and his one last match was against Baron Corbin, you'd be pissed. But you know, he ain't going to have a classic here. You know, it's sure it's not. I'm sorry, I love you. You know, the story's not up to par. But you know, <laughs> I would. I would love it if that was the the finish to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you. It gives him a deep six. A deep nine or whatever it is. Uh, oh, my uh, God. I can't. <laughs> they, should just give it, they should just let us produce WrestleMania this year. But it's, you know, um, yeah. But the backlash, I do think, is going on. You know, I don't know. I've not been paying a lot of close attention to all the rumours and stuff like this, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cena great gate crash this. I've said that and I and I maintain it. I think what because you know, Cena's not doing anything and I can't believe for a second that he's healthy and capable of going and they're not going to use him in any capacity on a WrestleMania. So I foresee, you know, some some kind of shenanigans going off and Cena comes down and takes out Corbin and then they rehash the ruthless aggression thing that they did oh. on Cena's debut and then Cena and Angle will wrestle for a few minutes, a bit like Undertaker and Cena did last year and then that'll be that. Uh, but it means, it, means something, it means something that should last all of about six or seven minutes will probably end up lasting about 25 when you factor everything in. I'll tell you what I see happening. I it, it, the match is about to start. Angle grabs the bike, said, yeah, I've got to chose my opponent. I chose you. I also choose John Cena. It comes a triple threat. And every time Baron Corbin gets anywhere near coming in the ring, they just double team him and he gets knocked to the floor again. OK, let's let's let never Mazza anywhere near WWE's booking ever, <laughs> ever. To be fair, if I was booking Baron Corbin or Kurt Angle, would it be, would it be in discussion at all at the moment? Neither would John Cena as it goes. No, but, I mean, I, I, I hope that they just keep the match as it is, keep it short, you know, like, I mean, like, people won't like it, but that's, I mean, who cares? Like, I would have, I'd have Corbin... Um, Stop him! Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have Corbin win the match... Um, he's already got he's got X Pack heat at the moment, but you can make it if you try hard enough, you can turn it around with him so that he's getting actual heat. 
And, you know, as we said, he needs to stop wearing that bloody stupid shirt and waistcoat thing because he's not corporate Corbyn anymore. He needs to, like, just go back to being somebody that doesn't back down from people. Like, him running away from, uh, from, from like, Braun Strowman is just completely ridiculous because they're the same bloody high. Um, it's, the whole thing is, is, like, completely confused everything that he's supposed to represent. And they can kind of, they can course correct him here, I think. And as you say, it's not going to be a classic anyway. So let, let Angle kind of, you know... Do some of his like famous spots, and in the end, you know, Corbin, uh, you know, Corbin takes him out, and we can all move on six minutes maximum. Absolutely, I mean that's that's the key for me is just keep it short. Whatever you do, fine, do it, but keep it short. You know, focus on the stuff like we keep saying that people are that people care about and are interested in, and keep the crap short. Do it, but keep it short. That's all you need to do. Six, seven minutes in and out. You know, they both get on the card, you get your moment, you get your match, done. Done and dusted. Yeah, no, it, it agrees. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, what have we got next? Let's have a look at uh, Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the US title. Um, funny enough, the US title was on the card last year, but it's like one of those matches that you kind of forget ever happened because it was just like... Was it was the fatal fall. Yeah, it was in the, in the middle of the Rusev Day thing, and they didn't have Rusev win it, which all seemed really weird at the time. Um, so yeah, Samojo be Rey Mysterio. I mean, I mean, you'd think it'd be a, just one of those matches. It's like a, it's a actually plan uh, to use a, a, a reference that you'll enjoy. This could be the DDP Christian six or seven <laughs> minutes, just have them tear it down for a bit, and then you know. Um, yeah, just have a, a sort of short mid card title match that people will enjoy. Well, the interesting thing on this front is that uh, news has started to come out that uh, Mysterio maybe had an ankle injury on Raw. Um, I, it's on their website, it's on .com, so whether it's a work or not, um, you know. Well, just, he was meant to wrestle Andrade on, on, on SmackDown. On SmackDown and didn't, and they yeah. niched it, didn't they? Um, but whether it's just all an angle to, to have Joe be able to work the ankle during the match and it means something, I don't know. But it's interesting to consider what to consider, you know, because it may be that if Cena does turn up, he ends up replacing Mysterio against Joe instead or something. Or they put, or they put um, Ali in it. Or they put Ali in it. But whatever the case, like you say, if is, if, if Joe versus Ray does go ahead, then again, uh, you know, I mean, that unfortunately to me screams an instance of them misjudging it and saying it's Joe versus Mysterio, so they've got to have 15 minutes. And in actual fact, like you said, Mav, you know, this is where you want to be remembering your Christian DDPs and let them go out there and have, again, six or seven minutes uh, and just and just basically do what they do because they're both incredibly talented. Mysterio's, to be fair to him, as much as I don't want to see him in 2019, looks better than he did 10 years ago. Um, so uh, fair play to him on that front. Uh, and it could, you know, it could just get the crowd popping a little bit, uh, fill, a, fill a bit of a corner of the show. And, and you know, again, get in, get out. That's all you need to do. Yeah, this has got that, you know, second match on the card. You know, I, I agree. You know, give them seven, eight minutes. That's perfect for them because, you know, Ray is in shape of his, <laughs> uh, certainly the shape of of the last 10 years, like Plan was saying. Uh, but, you know, he's still no spring chicken, you know, and 
it's it's like, oh no, what 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 if Dominic makes his debut? What if that's it? <laughs> and Joe turns out to be his dad. <laughs> I'm your puppy. Uh, do you know what? It'd be ridiculous, but if they rehash that again, I'm all in. Maybe maybe she's a mother mother in law, stepmother. Uh we kinda of lost you a bit there, pun. We yeah, we just heard stepmother and doesn't matter. It was probably it's uh, I did have a point I wanted to make now. I forgot what it was. <laughs> well, hopefully oh, we'll have... was... I mean, we we talk, we, no, we're talking about... talking about you know sure. If they do that and you start to rack up all of these kind of quick pacey matches, then the the seven hours that we're sat there will probably end up flat feeling like they're flying by because you're just you know you're picking that you're keeping the momentum going, you're keeping the pace going. And I remember when I I know I bang on about it a lot, but when I did watch SummerSlam last year and I was watching it live, obviously to do aftershock, it didn't feel like I was sat there for four hours. Um, and that was that was because you had a lot of kind of quick pacey bits interspersed with the longer matches, which is what Mav and I have been talking about. Uh, when you've not been around recently, Mazza, is, is sort of building the show around those and then just letting these undercard matches get in and get out and do their business. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. You know, unfortunately, the bloat is going to come on stuff that you don't want. If the bloat yeah. was on the on the three big title matches, it'd be fine. It, you know, it's when the bloat comes with Shane McMahon that, you know, you're just going to be, yeah. why? You know, I mean, wherever I it is on the show, no matter how many hours in, it's going to... It's going. It's inevitably going to take you out of it. I, I don't think that. I don't think the bloat's going to come in the matches. I think it's what we were talking. about. The bloat's going to come in, you know, the entrances and the backstage stuff. And they haven't announced any concerts yet, have they? But I guess they're. Oh my god! Well, that's automatically me going to like make popcorn for a half hour. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it, it's. Man, he's gonna go bake a cake. Yeah, I'll be I'll be back in half an hour when this like honestly, I I cannot stand Elias like even more every time I see him. Anyway. Um But yeah, I think the the bloke always comes in that extra crap, rock setting his name on fire or you know, <laughs> uh similar nonsense, you know, horn swoggly in crab legs, like whatever. Um so, all right, let's. Uh, so, hopefully, what they will do is is keep these kind of matches short because, yeah, they don't need to be um, any longer than that. Um, all right, let's look at uh, Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor for the IC title. So, we'll look at both mid card titles together. Um, now, I actually haven't minded this angle. I think I think they've kind of done uh, reasonably well to to, to make um, Bobby Lashley reasonably. Well, as interesting as he could have be as an antagonist, really. Um, and then they've thrown, of course, the demon thing in um, this week, which I'd rather they hadn't, really, because I think Balor was just starting to get a bit of momentum by himself um, without the demon. But it kind of is what it is. It's mainly they want that entrance, don't they? I think they, they want the entrance, but also I imagine that's why he lost the IC title in the first place, that this was always the plan. He loses the title as, as Finn, and then he wins it back as Balor. Um and uh, it's uh, you know it we talk we've talked there's been a lot of talk on social media about how WWE have found themselves in this position where it feels like in the top three title matches you know all of the top baby faces feel like they need to win 
and that that maybe presents something of a of a of an issue or a challenge for them. Uh, and actually, and I'm going to be writing about this in my Sunday column this week. Uh, it kind of runs through the whole card in in, in almost every single situation. Uh, it feels like the the babyface has to win, and I actually think that that's a good thing. And I think they should they should lean into that. I think they should just let the good guys win where it feels like they should and not worry about this kind of <clears throat> fake imposition that we put on, on the product and that they put on the product where for some reason you've got to balance out, you know, the feel good moments with the feel bad. Moments. No, no, it's WrestleMania. You know, it's seven hours. We're there for a long time. The product's been shit. Everyone feels kind of a bit shit about it. So let us just, you know, just go all in with all the good guys. And this is another instance, I think, of where that, that feels to be the case, because why would you, have Bobby Lashley of all people be the the demon character when the whole point of the demon character is that it's being positioned as you know Finn's augmented state that's almost guaranteed to get him to win. And in actual fact, keeping with the running theme so far on the show, this is another instance where I would have Finn turn up and do what they did at SummerSlam with him and Corbin and just have him very very quickly when he turned up as the demon at SummerSlam, very quick, just make quick work of Bobby Lashley in that demon state and win the title back and and you're done again you know five six minutes and you're done i very very much agree with with what plan said about you know let the baby faces win let them sweep the board yeah your your long-term booking it don't matter you know you can take the belts off whoever you want the next night or the next month you know it it doesn't have to be you know a long-term thing that that you're doing this let them have them I, I think it would be a huge win for wwe if they did that you know with all the the length of the card and everything like that if if they make the right decisions particularly in those big matches you know i i, I think they could have a stinker of the card and still get away with it on on the flip side they could have a load of great matches and if they make the wrong calls in those big matches it's going to be a wrestlemania that's despised you know, I, I think it's I think it's a day where they really, you know, and they do do it every once in a while. You know, they do have the events where they're like, right, today we're going to we're going to give this one to the Internet. And it just seems like across the board, they they, they give everybody the wins that they want to. Um, yeah. And it, it's for that. I mean, the reason why I've been predicting Lashley everywhere is purely because of that balance, you know. I'm like, well, something's got to give. And, you know, I'd rather it be Finn than, <laughs> than any, anyone else, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, you know. You think that, um, but you'd think that Joe's going to win. So straight away, that's a heel win. I wouldn't be surprised if Orton won. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if Shane McMahon won. Um, so I think there's plenty of heel victories there anyway, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But, but it's it's the top heavy, isn't it? That That's the thing. It's the... It's it's those big. It's the big three, isn't it? It's the big three where you know you think that the face has to win. So that's where I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see on the night, won't we? I guess. I think. I mean, Mav. Uh, Mav. Sorry, you both one letter away from each other. Mav um, makes really good point. You know, you can you, if you if you that balances something of an issue for the company that they can they can redress it in the undercard, uh, even with Drew. You know, um, but I think, uh, like I say, I don't see why you can't just go all in with the baby faces everywhere and have that feel good moment. To me, the the memory of how last year ended 
still looms very large and it was so deflating and so shit to end the night on that note. It'd be like ending WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan not winning the title, you know, or, or WrestleMania 20 having a different ending. And it's, and, and you think actually you don't need to balance it out at all. Even if you, you know, whichever way you went with the undercard, if you can imagine at the end of this show, you know, Seth, first Seth beats Brock, then Kofi, and that's awesome. And then Kofi beats Brian, and that's awesome. And then Becky beats Charlotte and Ronda, and that's awesome. Like, you would have, uh, you know, a last sort of, what would have been 90 minutes, two hours of this pay-per-view um, that would just be this incredible one emotional rush after another after another that just would, would lead to a very positive legacy for the WrestleMania. And as Mazza said, it almost wouldn't matter, you know, if, if everything else sucks, because what people would remember would be that final couple of hours where actually, you know, it was all pretty awesome. Uh, and it's, and I've, I've said this, I, whether it, I, I lose track of where I've said it now, but I've said it at some point somewhere on LOP that so often the ending can define how people remember everything else. And so, you know, you could have three, four hours of shit, but if those last two hours are, are awesome with great matches and, and the baby faces winning those top three matches, people will remember WrestleMania 35 as a good WrestleMania. Give us a fantastic seven and a half hours. It's not too well, much to ask, is it? No, well, exactly. I mean, as it, I, it shouldn't I, be, to be fair. I mean, I mean, as I've said, I don't think the length. I've come to realise the length isn't the problem. It's the it's the way they construct it. You Especially know. for us, because it's not like it's interrupting our day, is it? You know, well, I mean, in in a curious way, it's it's obviously depending on how you watch. It, but if you watch it live, I mean, it's not like it interrupts your life because you it does the next day, obviously, because you're knackered, but. You know, it, it takes place in the early hours of the morning when you'd otherwise just be sleeping. So, well, and again, you we all love wrestling. If they gave us seven and a half hours of fantastic wrestling, ain't nobody gonna fucking moan about. It. I mean, yeah, I think you can have too much of a good thing, but I don't think it's necessarily the length of the show that's the problem. I think it's, I think it's the fact that that every card that they put together since WrestleMania 31 has been incredibly poorly balanced you know, or has just sagged at the wrong time. I mean, you think about 32, you get that hell in a cell match and just the whole show just takes this enormous nosedive, you know. Yeah. Uh, Arc 33, like as soon as the Rollins and Triple H match is done, you have a huge lull and you have a, a stink of a main event. Um, you know, 34, you got, like you said, like the incredibly deflating ending. But even before that, like the show had gone off the rail was kind of long before then. It was a, a great first two and a half hours. And after that, it kind of and it's just the way they've constructed these cards, you know, like they front ended a lot of the stuff that ends up being good. And some people have tried to say that the stuff that came later was bad because the crowd were exhausted. And I don't think it was. I just think I just think like cards construction is such a an important aspect of it, you know, and and, and really when you look at these matches, a lot of them fall in, in very obvious places in the cars. And as long as you like put it where it should go, um, you, you shouldn't have a problem with it. That, that's my opinion anyway. Um, all right, let's, let's, um, let's move on and have a look at what should we do next? Let's look at Shane and Miz then falls count anywhere. Um, as I said earlier on, I actually think they set this up. Um, pretty well because when they first started doing it, I thought it was going to be like Miz only teasing the face turn and then him turn on Shane. And then it became obvious in the end that it was going to be Shane that turned on Miz. And I thought the turn 
at Fastlane was was pretty well done. Um, I, I you know the whole like Mrs. Dad thing's a bit silly, but um, you know I think it, it's it's been it's been actually quite well written. I think Miz has, has held his end up with the promos. Like I think he's done a good job in you know sort of selling himself as a sympathetic um, protagonist in this. So I know that people are going to be really cynical about it and say, oh my god, it's going to last forty minutes. It's going to be terrible. I don't actually think they're going to do that. I think it'd be closer to AJ and Shane than it will be to Taker and Shane. AJ and Shane lasted twenty five minutes. Uh, I, my recollection was it was shorter, but but it didn't seem like. I mean, I don't know. That didn't seem like a twenty five minute match to me. That seemed like you kind of fifteen minute. It was breezily paced, to put it that way. I think I, I don't think that this is going to be like a drag as such. Like I'd rather not. I'd rather not. They've booked it, but I don't think it's going to be terrible. I mean, you know, Falls Count Anywhere is certainly going to be better than a sell. You know, they can use the space a bit more. Um, Maybe, you know, we can have the throwback to the hardcore match at 17. They can go through with golf buggies and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's I kind of agree in that it has been done well for what it is, but they're still trying to sell me on something that I don't want to buy. You know, Miz has done well with his promos. The turn was good. I mean, like you say, dads in wrestling... You know, unless it's our Wilson, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna be good. Um, so, yeah, or, or Big yeah, Show's I, dad in a coffin. That, that's pretty good as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of, if anything, on the more extreme side of Mazar on this. This is the one thing, even more so than Triple H and Batista. This is the one thing I have absolutely no interest in whatsoever. Shame that man shouldn't still be getting big featured spots on 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 any show, let alone, you know, pay per views, let alone WrestleMania. It's gross nepotism. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you can shit competently, but you still end up with shit. And that's, you know, that's what this is to me is just shit. And the worst part of it all is the match will be woefully predictable as all shame at man matches are, because he does like three tricks. And no matter what kind of a match he's wrestling, doesn't matter whether it's a tag match, a standard singles match, a false count anywhere match, a hell in a cell match. You know, the table spot will happen. The coast to coast spot will happen. And if it, if it's facilitated by the stipulation, the fall off of something stupid will happen as well. And that'll be it. You know, they, they, they spent 40 minutes building to that in the hell in a cell with Owens. They managed to work it into the AJ Styles match at WrestleMania 33, even though it was just an ordinary wrestling match. They, they even managed to find a way to put that shit in the tag team matches that Shane and Miz were wrestling in recent months. So just, I think it's a disservice to Miz. I have no interest in it, and I hope it's it's kept to at least uh, something of a discreet runtime. I yeah. I am not I'm not quite as down on it as that. Um, this will I, I, just, his, just to add one more thought, Mav. If if the show does end up getting derailed, this will be the match that derails it. I totally agree. This is the one that's just why. Why is it there? You know, Triple H is one of the greatest wrestlers of all times. Of all time, you know. Sure, should he be wrestling anymore? Probably not. But, you know, he will do more, a hell of a lot more than what Shane can do because Shane's not a wrestler. You know, Shane, Shane was a part time wrestler when he was never not a part time wrestler. 
here's the thing. I when they well, obviously I'd rather they hadn't booked it. I, I'd rather the whole card was was full timers, right? Everyone knows that. But I do think with it being a heel shame, I I, I don't like the, the pattern that you described, Pun, is very much the baby face Shane match. Now, I assume that this is going to be much more, you know, um, weapons based stuff as opposed to, you know, the stuff that we've seen from him, you know, kind of since he came back for that cell match. Um, and if he is going to fall off something, it's going to be more like that match with the big show sort of back in 01 or whatever, where, you know, they climb up something and he gets pushed off as opposed to him jumping or something. That would be my guess. Um, I I think, like, I, th- I think it could be all right. I think it could be all right. I don't know. I just got a feeling it won't be as bad as people think. I don't know what it, I don't know why I'm being optimistic about it, but I have a feeling it won't be as bad as people think. Uh, happy to be proved wrong, of course, or maybe unhappy to be proved wrong. Um, uh, but we assume Miz will win? Or do we think Shane's going to win because of the whole uh, thing we just talked about? I think Shane's going to win. I just think, yeah. If they're going to do something after WrestleMania with the McMahon's, you know, do the heel McMahon thing, then yes, it makes a lot of sense for Shane to win. The, uh, you know, this is another case in point where I was saying earlier, lean into the idea of the baby faces having a clean sweep. Uh, I think Miz could, I think that, I think the whole narrative crux of this storyline demands that Miz wins. Oh yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I don't disagree with it. I just, I just got in this fact, horrible yeah, that's thought probably that, why you won't actually. Yeah. I've just got this horrible vision of Shane winning it. Like falling off something on the Miz, <laughs> you know, one of those I'm unconscious of, I still won, and mainstream posse carrying him away. No, oh, well, you know, he's the best in the world. All right, okay. Let's uh, look at the next match. Uh, well, actually, Uro Reigns v. Drew McIntyre. Now, as I said to you, um, when we looked at this on the spot, so it's dead plan. This is actually the match I'm most looking forward to. Uh, I think it's two, you know, two absolute specimens in the, uh, you know, prime of their careers, like, facing off against each other. I kind of, you know, made the comparison laughably or, or jokingly on your show uh, to it maybe being like the Hercules v. Billy Jack Haynes match on the card. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I just think this is going to be like a proper smash mouth, uh, hard-hitting affair. And it's got a great story behind it with, with Roman going in to defend his two, uh, his two uh, smaller brothers, and um, and Drew's got the motivation of being the chosen one who didn't end up being the chosen one against the guy that was the chosen one, but then the fans rejected the chosen one. There's all sorts of things going on here. What I love about this is the that. fact that you have you have uh, again we spoke about it on SCID, so I won't I won't retread ground, but I will simply say I love the fact you have Drew, who was the chosen one, who like you say, who never fulfilled that potential, and then you have Roman with the uh, anyone but you. Uh, theme that has kind of followed him through ever since, particularly the Wyatt storyline. I think those two characters marry up nicely. You've got the emotive punch of Roman's recent return from his battle with leukemia. Um, Drew is is on fine form and has gathered some some nice steam, having sort of beaten Dean a couple of times to add a bit more kind of uh, emotion to it all, and, and even getting the better of Seth at one point as well. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm this is this is. One of the simpler built storylines, and one of the most effective ones for that. And uh, it's it just feels it feels just refreshing for Roman, so refreshing 
put Roman to be in a different spot on a WrestleMania card instead of being mm-hmm. a little bit against a part-timer in the last match. Um, like, unbel- when I said at the top of the show, you know, there's, there's lots of little sort of uh, elements to this card that feel refreshing so that when you when you start to think of them all together you begin to get a bit more positive and this is one of them the fact that Roman is in a not even a title match he's in it is just in a story driven mid card match against a contemporary talent I think he's going to do wonders for him I think he's going to do wonders for Drew I think he's going to do wonders for the show I think everybody wins I think it'll be a great match and I very much this is one that I don't you know if they give this 15-20 minutes like fine I've, I've no issue with that because it feels like one of the matches that should be given a bit more time yeah I, I think this this is one of the ones that needs a bit longer it needs to be competitive you know I think that's the key here it needs to be competitive because of just how strongly Roman is booked in general you know I personally think this is the one where a, a heel should actually pick up the win I think it would be better here uh, storyline wise I don't see that happening I'm not going to predict that but you know I, I think this is what one of those ones on the card where you know it would be good to redress the balance but yeah i'm looking forward to this i think it could be a lot of fun yeah and i think uh, i think the other thing is is that this is one uh match where you could see you could see them um going into extreme is extreme rules gonna be after mania this year i assume so i I would guess it's a little bit later on like it was last year okay um either way even if it's payback or whatever whatever bloody show they choose to put after wrestlemania right would think that this is a prime candidate to get a rematch anyway. There's no harm in giving Drew the win here because, you know, if you want to give Roman back his win, you can do. Do we see Dean? I hope you see him in this and the Lesnar match, but I don't know. I think if we see Dean, it'll be later on in the night. Right. Interesting. Although I suppose suppose if you see Dean, can you really do one without doing the other? Hmm. An interesting thing to consider. Yeah, did, did they just um, drag along? That that said, uh, you know, are, are we are we even sure this goes on before the, the title match? Well, you know, that we, well we, yeah. we can't be at this point. Yeah. It's, right. a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like you know, you you, you think like they they seem to have fairly. Um, definitively written him off TV but then again um, if they really are kind of doing doing the whole um, we would love to see you back when you've gone and experimented elsewhere thing that they did in that statement they released when um, it came out that he was going to leave then it would make sense to give him like at least a little bit of a moment at Wrestlemania because that's more like to like make him want to come back at some point, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I, I think using him makes sense. You know, Use, using him makes sense. Not putting him in a match and getting him, you know, giving him a win over someone. You know, I understand why he wouldn't do that. Using him seems silly when he's got two people his career is intertwined with in big matches. You know, if you're going to use someone in those matches, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to use Dean, you know. I mean, we said. I mean, I said to plan when we were when we were previewing uh, the Rollins match on on his show. You know, the whole point is that you know Lesnar, aside from Heyman, nobody likes him. He's completely alone. Whereas Rollins has got allies. You know, so um, yeah, I, I I I'd love to. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the 
kind of um, like the Eddie Guerrero Brock Lesnar finish of some sort, right? Whether it's Roman flying in with a spear or, you know, or, or Dean does the Austin thing and turns up with a chair at some point or something to help Rollins win. I think it'd be quite fitting. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, especially given that Reigns and Ambrose have both had past battles with Lesnar themselves. Yeah. Maybe, who knows? Maybe plans uh, WrestleMania at uh, SummerSlam 13 will finally, finally come to fruition. <laughs> Shield versus Lesnar. Oh, that, that, that's a flashback pod there. Oh my god, that that really is 2014. Let's bring it back. Right, so um, 13. Well, it's, I can't remember when you made that oh, prediction. Wait, no, you made that prediction on a New Year's show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right good old new year's show so it was the best ones um all right let's uh let's have a look at triple h v batista then um and that was always that the the, conf, the the thing that conflicts me about this is that oh, guys, the, i've got a duck out i'm leaving you to it good luck no seriously sorry i'll i have to <laughs> <laughs> bye Baz. bye um so I had four so rudely interrupted. Um, uh, like the thing that conflicts me about this is that Batista, uh, as always, when he comes back and does these things as a heel, he's been really good value. Like, yeah. you know, his character work, as you'd expect from someone that is now, after all, a Hollywood actor, um, has actually been on point. I, I thought the thing where he was kind of like spitting as he was like shouting at Triple H was maybe a bit much. Um, but since then, the stuff where the camera's in his house and he told him to go away at the end and, you know, and when he kind of keeps coming out in these shiny tuxedos and stuff, it's actually really good stuff. But they built the match like strangely well. Do I want to see Batista be Triple H with a combined age of like 90 something? No. But having said that, they've done a reasonable job with the bills. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, as you know, as you know, as anyone who listens to the show knows, I'm, I'm obviously zero tolerance on, on part timers. I've, I find this, that this match is, is happening just, just utterly inexplicable. I mean, it's so weird that it's on the card because it's not even been like a major feature on TV. It's not like they've built this up as one of the big matches at WrestleMania. It's kind of just happened. Yeah. Right? There's been, there, like, there's been like, what, four segments building to it or something? Four or five segments, most of which have only lasted about, you know, two of which only lasted about 30 seconds in total. Um, like Triple H cut a promo and then Batista cut a couple of promos and that's been it. And it just, it's so weird that it's on this card. So, you, you know, it, it, on 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 that front, I'm I'm I am affronted by the fact that it's happening. I find it disappointing that that we're here because I've always been, and I've said this before, I've always been, and to some extent still, I'm a big big Batista fan, much more so than I was ever, you know, able to appreciate John Cena. I think Batista was always the more talented of the pair, quite honestly, as a as a, as a pro wrestler and indeed as an actor, um, and. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I think probably there's a little bit of nostalgia there because Batista, the Batista Undertaker feud was, was the one that kept me around when I came back to wrestling in 2007. And so, he, he, you know, I guess in that sense, he was kind of one of the primary reasons why I, I, I came back in 07 and then stuck around. Um, 
I don't want to see him wrestling in 2019, especially against Triple H. But it's the edge of it is kind of taken off a little bit more than it is, say, in the case of Shane McMahon, because of the affection I have for Batista, and because, like you said, he does give it his all when he's in the ring, whether that's on a microphone or in the match. I expect the match itself is sadly going to be longer than it should, because I think it's going to be uh, one of those instances, like it was with Sting, like it was with Ronda, where Triple H demonstrates again how he's become such a master of those kind, taking those kind of uh, shortcuts to create matches that are absolutely just just insane. You know, like when you think back to the Sting match, it was just crazy, and you think to, to the Ronda match, and it was just crazy. But they kind of work in a in a in a kind of mindlessly entertaining sort of way. You know, that they kind of the, the sort of thing where you go, this is so insane that there's there's sort of secretly a bit of genius about it. Uh, and I imagine we're going to get, especially because they've not, you know, Batista has obviously literally not wrestled a single match since 2014. Um, not even been active in the ring since 2014. Um, so it, they're going to need to take those shortcuts. That probably means it's going to be longer than it should be, especially because I imagine Triple H is going to do another one of his stupid entrances. Um, but uh, you know, it's ultimately going to happen. So I, you know, you can either throw your toys out the pram and let it spoil the entire night for you, or you can just try and maybe ride the wave a little bit and, and see it through and try and enjoy it for what it is, which I imagine is going to be, like I say, one of those kind of brainlessly sort of just crazy matches. Yeah. Like, like I say, I mean, I agree with you totally in the fact, I mean, everyone knows I, 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 you know, I was a uh, anti part time before everybody else was. Uh, being the uh, the hipster that I am, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's true though. You can go and read my bloody columns forum columns from like 2012 when I was saying that. But um, I do give them credit for at least uh, building something that I, I shouldn't have had any interest in, and now I have, you know, a limited interest in. So I give them credit for that. Um, well, what's, I mean, what's interesting about the build here, and the build has been relatively well done. Um, you know, we there was uh, again. You never know how how true it is, but I can easily believe it. Um, that that Bruce Pritchard was involved with producing the Ric Flair segment where Batista first showed back up, and the way that the the feud has then been built. You, to me at least, it feels as knowing what I know or, or having seen what I've seen over the years as a fan that this has been one of the builds that perhaps Vince has been less hands-on with and maybe has been led more by Triple H, more by Batista, more by the people who know, you know, how to do it, essentially. I mean, ultimately, Vince doesn't know how to do it. He's a promoter, not a wrestler. So, um, and I think it's probably benefited again, what we were saying earlier, from it it being not quite so much the centre of attention and, and maybe Triple H and Batista being able to lead the lead the cart with it a little bit. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, what they, you know, like Jericho and Michaels always used to get yeah. like a lot of leeway with their matches, didn't they? Um, so yeah, I, I think as you say, no holds barred. It's, it's that annoying Brock Lesnar match stipulation again with Triple H, isn't it? Like his career's on the line. It's a bit like stop putting that as a stip. It's just, it's just really silly. And what, um, you know, what we were saying um, last week, was it, or or some other? Yeah, I think it was last week. Uh, is that really that's st- the one time that stipulation should have been brought out was at 33 and it wasn't yeah quite i mean you could have had rollins do it you could have had i mean you could have even had daniel bryan do it back at 30 to be honest well, quite. Yeah, yeah. um but yeah like 
I, I, I don't need to see Triple H wrestling anymore. I don't think Triple H wants to wrestle anymore, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I think... You do- yeah, I think he he quite clearly just wants to you know sit in the office with a suit on and learn his and learn his trade. But it's a bit like he, he's kind of you know sent to be the kind of big name that they can put on a marquee, and and it's uh, uh, you know it's a situation that a lot of them have been in before. You know, his ma- his his style of match. Uh, has become increasingly more minimalist in terms of what he actually does in the ring, I find. When you go and watch, you know, sort of how his ring style has progressed uh, from the the Sting matches, with the exception maybe being the the matches he's had with the members of the Shield. Because the members of the Shield were capable of of performing at that level where you can... And I'm not ever going to suggest that Triple H gets carried to anything, quote-unquote, but obviously it helps when you're in the ring with someone as talented as a Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns. Um, but stuff like in, when he did that appearance in the Survivor Series match, the Sting match, the Ronda match, you know, the, there's there's been a large swathe of them where he does significantly less than he used to. And that's probably because he's aware that he's not getting any younger. Um, and it's going to be interesting because this is the first match he's wrestled since those appalling matches with The Undertaker. Um at the back end of last year overseas and how that might come to impact, uh, you know, what they do here. You would think they're going to keep it relatively straightforward as a brawl rather than as anything. Yeah. Technical. I mean, and also I, I think, you know, Batista, um, we don't know what kind of shape he's in in terms of ring shape. Like when he came back for the rumble in 14, he was like blowing wind all over the place. So I would like to think, and I could be proved horribly wrong yet again, I would like to think they can keep this under 15 minutes and just have it have it be so kind of, you know, violent and shortcut and, and weapons heavy that it can just be a bit like, you know, almost like Batista's match, The Undertaker, like just have it be like really intense, yeah. but barely short. And I think then people might even remember it fondly, like people might remember it, you know, in because actually even if you think back to like Hogan Rock, that's a pretty short match, isn't it? Um I'm not suggesting yeah, this is going to be like this is gonna, yeah. I'm not suggesting this is going to be Hogan v Rock, but I'm suggesting that that's what you do with these sorts of special attraction matches. Do you know? And you may chuckle at this, but, but I'm not even sure how this match has just presented itself in my head. But I would follow. <laughs> you're going to love this. I would follow the kind of uh, formula. Uh, laid out by the um, the uh, Hollywood backlot brawl at WrestleMania 12, <laughs> including um, the car chase. It, not not including the car chase, <laughs> but uh, specifically when they get because people forget that there's a you know there's a bit after the car chase they get back to the ring and it's all crazy and mad and and you know and I would go down that kind of avenue because that ultimately you know when you take the car chase out that's probably what 10 12 minutes in total. But it's so much fun to sit back and, and watch because it is a, it is wrestle crap. But it's you know if if you're aware that what you're going to be doing is wrestle crap, you, you sort of you want them. It's my favorite phrase at the minute. You want them to lean into it, don't you? You like look. We know this is this is going to be trash, so we'll, we're just going to have fun with it and try and make it fun for you to you know to watch. Yeah, yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Um, and also, actually, you mentioned the Sting match earlier on. Now I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a big fan of that match. But what they did was they quite clearly uh, just made it deliberately ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and they had bloody Japanese drummers and you know God knows what else. 
um, you know, these massive set piece entrances and, you know, and they had all of the sort of, um, the, the entire clique interfering at different points. And yeah, so I, I think, I think um, just, just make it chaotic and not too much about wrestling. I think would be my advice for them really, but I'm sure that's what they're doing. Why do a no harms barred stiff anyway, if you're not going to do it that way? Um, it's going to be like announced tables and the, yeah, just Batista bombs for announced tables and, you know, pedigrees on the concrete and, you know, all that stuff. I'd be, uh, if I was producing it, I'd be watching the Hollywood Backlot Ball. I'd be watching your, uh, your uh, favourite uh, tag match from the main event of No Way Out in 98. I'd be watching, uh, you know, the, the Chicago Street Fight at WrestleMania 13. You know, the, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, I just I just think, you know, you, you could actually do something really fun. And, and also, if we talk about keeping the crowd awake for seven hours, and, you know, that's where you do it. You put this on three quarters of the way through the show, they beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, all good fun. Um, all right, let's move on, right? We're kind of, I think we're kind of at the main events, dare I say. Oh, no, we've got the tag match. Uh, so you've got the Fatal 4-Way Tag Match for the SmackDown Tag Championship. So Usos, Ricochet and Black, The Bar, and Nakamura Rusev. Um, I mean, with the talent in the ring, I don't think they can possibly go wrong, really. To be honest, if if they just basically allow these the SmackDown lot to do what the Raw lot did at Fastlane, you're on to a winner. Yeah, I would the, say so. Because the, the, it was a three-way match at Fastlane, wasn't it? But it was really fun. And were it not for the sort of the emotional impact of the New Day gauntlet several weeks later, I would have been comfortably calling it my, uh, you know, my uh, my tag match of the month in my retrospective column last week. Um, but yeah, it's it like just do something like that, you know. Again, action heavy, you know, it doesn't have to be too long. I do think it's bizarre that you spend all those weeks having Ricochet and Black chase the Raw titles, then lose, then put them in the SmackDown title match at WrestleMania. I mean, if that's not the state of the product summed up, I'm not sure what is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you say, the talent involves, you know, how can you how can you have a stinker then? Yeah, and you know, like these multi-team matches at Mania, you know, they usually end up going quite well uh, on the whole. Um, the, the both so long ones... as so long as they don't add a fucking ladder into it. Well, yeah, which they've not so far. So thank goodness for that. But yeah, I do think like the, those WrestleMania 20 ones are good fun. Oh, there's some at 19 as well. I don't remember. Uh, there was a three-way one at Raw. Uh, it was Benoit and Rhino, Eddie That's and it. Chavo, and uh, the World's Greatest Tag Team, I think. Yeah, so so again, you know, like those matches in, at 19 and 20 are, um, are, are really good fun. So there's no reason why they shouldn't just be able to get, get seven or eight minutes and just, yeah, just, again, just tear the house down. Just, you know beat the crap out of each other um it's matches like that one and like the triple h batista one that they can use to give the show a shot of adrenaline yes at key, at key points isn't it and, and yeah just just wake the crowd back up again a little bit ready for the next proper match which is what i've uh yeah which is again i've I've, uh, I've written a column which will be out by the time this podcast comes out which is suggesting exactly that that you know it is all about how you space these matches out um right um Oh, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Oh, uh, I assume... Uh, well, it's actually quite hard to pick a winner in that last match. Usos... I would uh, think so. 
Uh, but then again, if they want to give Black and Ricochet the shine, oh, I don't very know. True, yeah, very true. And I think I think of Black and Ricochet, yeah, you know that that continues to feed into what I've been talking about. You know, just go all in with the big feel good wins this year and and let them as the NXT guys pick up that that victory. Yeah, yeah, quite. Because otherwise, what are they going to do after? Oh, well, it's the thing. Uh, there was actually a Blake interview, wasn't there? Like, he expects the porousness between the brands to, to, to calm down after WrestleMania. Uh, famous last words. Um, all right, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. I wrote a column on this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, everyone was getting very excited about it, and I was a bit cooler, but actually I've come around to this match quite a bit as well. Um, does Randy Orton have one last great match left in him? I, I guess we will find out on WrestleMania night, but he does have form at WrestleMania for being that guy that has the sort of uh, the, the sleeper match on the card, the punk match at, at 20, at 27, the uh, Kane match at 28. Um, you know, he does have those sorts of matches in him. Even the legacy triple threat from 26, I'm quite fond of. Randy Orton is, is a curious case at WrestleMania because he's very quietly put together a hell of a resume uh, on this show when you when you look back over the years, uh, with many of his matches being victorious efforts for him. Uh, I, I mean, more, more interesting to me than the whole kind of, uh, you know, well-trodden indie guy versus WWE guy thing that they've gone down, which, you know, is a route that's worked for them. I think it always works for them because it's such an easy way to evoke a reaction from fans who are very much entrenched in that idea um but for me the more interesting facet here from an in-universe perspective what i was speaking with so some about on sports entertainment is dead on on wednesday is that when you you look at Orton at wrestlemania and when the pressure's off when he's not in a title match when he's not in a main event more often than not he wins like he beat legacy he beat rock and sock he beat uh um uh, CM Punk, like you said, you know he beat Kane. Um, like when, when, when he's not in a position, it's not to say he doesn't perform when he is when he is in a title match. Because of course he beat Bray for the title at, at 33 as well. But um, that to me is the more interesting uh, storyline aspect to that. But yeah, I mean the to this was a match I wasn't feeling when it was first announced. But it's it's one I wouldn't say I'm massively excited for it. But I would say that it's something that, uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of mildly looking forward to uh, and one that I'm confident will will deliver on the night. I don't want to, you know, I think, you know, 15 minutes tops. I don't want to see it go 20 minutes, 25 minutes just because AJ Styles is in it. And I think that, that is a temptation that WWE sometimes fall into. If it's a Styles match, it's got to be a feature length match because it's Styles. I'd, you know, I'd, I have an issue with that. So I hope it's not too long. But uh, Punk the you know, is the perfect pattern for it, isn't it? So you think that's like yeah, that's a tw- that's yeah, basically totally. a, a sort of fifteen minute match and in the in the middle of the show. Or I mean, this could well curtain jerk actually, but but it's it's the perfect pattern for this. It's like you you have a great uh, a great match with two great workers, and you kind of like end it with like a sudden pinfall. Like it, it's it's the perfect pattern. And that's where Orton's excelled at Mania, isn't it? I mean, the the tag match at 20 is about 15 minutes. The Undertaker match at 21, which I think is is really very good. And people don't talk about it because it's the card that Sean versus Angle happened on. But, uh, you know, that's about 15 minutes. Uh, At uh, at 22, the triple threat, which is a really good triple threat, is about 15 minutes. 
Um, the uh, the uh, I mean, even at 24, the triple threat match at 24 he's in is about 15 minutes. The uh, 26 is probably even less than that. The triple threat with Legacy. Uh, 27, like you say, the Punk match. 28, the Kane match. Uh, 29, the Shield match. Uh, you know, uh, 30 is obviously the triple threat, threat, but 31 with Rollins. Uh, in time and time again, when he gets those those kind of of quiet undercard efforts, he he's able to knock it out of the park. And the, with Orton, it's always a question of whether he can be bothered on the night that it's happening, isn't it? You know, like if he's super motivated on the night, then he's still capable of putting on a better match than ninety nine percent of the other people on the roster. And in a way, that's the most frustrating thing about him is that he's, you know, he's so good, but he he sometimes comes off as a bit sort of eh. Not bothered. Yeah, um, it, it, it actually, I said, I said in the column, right? If you look at his career overall, I mean, bizarre as it sounds, he's underachieved. Absolutely. If anything, yeah. I mean, he's a prodigy, isn't he? That I, we joke about the line that that um, that JBL always, you know, throws out there about if you build a sports entertainer from the ground up. But he says that for a reason, and, and uh, it's a crude way of phrasing it. But you know, Orton has an, Im- uh, an immense amount of talent. Um, when he's in the ring with, I, I don't think him and AJ wrestled yet, have they? Um, I can't certainly can't. Uh, they had a SmackDown match. Uh, okay. Uh, when Styles, I think when Styles was first was first around, I'm pretty sure, like because I think a lot of people wanted, I think a lot of people wanted him the Orton that first Mania when he had Jericho. I will say this: there were some rumors about them adding Kevin Owens into it and making it a triple threat match, and I I wouldn't want that. No, I think the whole because point I think is that's it's... that's a considerably less exciting idea. And it's detrimental uh, to the story. Is I mean the whole the, the yeah. reason why I am pleased about this match, and I said this in the column even though I wasn't that into it, is it's the first time in a while that they put a feature, proper feature, with main eventers mid card match on the show. And I'm really pleased they've done that because it's a huge and, step forward to me. And what I like, you've got a bit of a, a WrestleMania 21 card design going on here because the thing that I always think about when I think about WrestleMania 21 is that you've got Randy Orton versus The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle both on the undercard. They both had a Raw SmackDown vibe going on that year and they always felt comparable to me uh, because of that. Uh, and this year, you've got Orton versus Styles on the SmackDown side, and then you've got Reigns and McIntyre on the Raw side. So both brands have that, fe- like you say, that feature mid-card match um, that features genuinely big stars. And while one of them has the more contemporary stars in, you know, I mean, Styles can still go, and Orton's still relatively young, so it's not the most offensive in the world. Um, and and they've they've proven to be... I think, if anything, the build to this shows that they're interested in the program they've been given to work. And and so often that will dictate, I think, whether Orton can be bothered with it. Um, and I think also, I've always said this, you know, when you can tell the wrestlers are enjoying what they're doing on the on TV, what they're doing becomes more enjoyable for you. Um, and oftentimes when you can tell that a wrestler isn't digging what they're doing, then that's when it's less enjoyable for you. And Orton and Styles, I think, are clearly digging this this program. And I don't want to see Owens interjected into it, not least of all because I just don't think, you know, with, with very rare exceptions, I think triple threat matches without a title are just weird. Yes, agreed. And, and like, I really do think that um, that they've obviously asked to work together 
and they're going to be motivated. And so I hope they do. I hope they do steal the show. I hope it is the best match on the card. I think it would be uh, a really good thing for the show if 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 that was the case. Um, so it's, I find it quite hard to pick a winner here because it could go either way. It yeah. really could. I mean, based on what we said about the main events, like you might have Orton. You know, get, I mean, they're just itching to do a phenomenal forearm into a RK out of nowhere, aren't they? But, they've um, probably already done it at some point, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, in fact they did do it. They did it at the elimination chamber. But um, I think Orton's a good shout, and I, I and I feel like you know this is probably a more than a one match program. So uh, you know, in that sense, Orton, I could see winning it for that reason. And you know, let's just say Kingston wins the title. Uh, if he doesn't go and have a rematch with Brian, then well, you know, Brian. and we know there's it, no more automatic rematches apart from when there are. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, you could end up with Kingston v. Orton, and they could just retread all that stuff from 2009. I mean, why not have Kingston smash up Randy Orton's car again? I'd enjoy that. Um, okay. And then, and then we can have another Brian Styles match as well. Yes, oh, God. How about no? <laughs> um, all right, like, let's move on. So we are on the main events now. Um, so should we start with Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston? Um, sure. So... Um, Obviously, a match that is that rare thing where they were forced to change their WrestleMania plans, um, which doesn't happen often, but they've uh, they have done. They they recognise the the overwhelming sort of wave of momentum and fate that seems behind Kofi Kingston after he'd taken Mustafa Ali's place in the gauntlet, had that performance. Everyone was talking about it. Repeats that in the Elimination Chamber, goes really close, and then of course since then they. I mean, the storyline itself, in terms of how it's been written, uh, I don't know if I've been the greatest fan of it, but because yeah. people like Kofi, um, it's developed a kind of power all of its own instead, which is, you know, in the end, just as good. You know, I, I agree entirely. I didn't like the fact that it became um, too conscious a retread of the Daniel Bryan thing from WrestleMania 30. It felt like it was straining to, to reach that rather than going with the natural... Because it, it started off as an underdog story of that type, of that Eddie style, didn't it? Of this guy's just a long-running, a long-tenured veteran that people are fond of and want to see succeed at that highest level as recognition of his contributions. It's obviously since then taken on, you know, greater weight. Um, and certainly from interactions I've had on, on social media, is clearly beginning to mean... Uh, something quite important to particularly African-American uh, fans and, and I can totally see why um, and I think that's really positive I mean I remember Wrestlemania last year and some people sort of thought it tokenistic but there are a series of, uh, of, of gestures towards some semblance of social responsibility on, on, on various fronts uh, at last year's Wrestlemania, you know, with the with the rainbow gear for Finn and Alistair Black making a post about his mental health after uh, TakeOver and stuff. And there were there were a number of them. Um, and so it's it's good and, uh, and uplifting to me as someone who is a very much a, a passionate proponent of uh, how powerful pro wrestling can be a social commentary for it to have taken on that extra life. And for the rest of us, uh, you know, um, to whom that, that element is perhaps... Um, less directly evocative uh, it's still uh, you know still something that you are uh, that it's that it's that's difficult not to get passionately enthralled in because of two fronts first 
the 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 always effective side of it of the veteran getting to that you know that pinnacle after so so long especially with Kofi who had that frustrated push in 2009 that I think a lot of people still remember um and also just the aspect to be fair of the familial relationship within the new day uh, and uh, as you were saying last week um Mav um you know the or on or on SEID this week I can't remember when um the the story they told in that tag team gauntlet match. I think they've gone a bit too many times back to the whole gauntlet match thing, but the, the tag team gauntlet one was really effective uh, and so powerful seeing Kofi's, you know, brothers, um, you know, fight that for that opportunity for him, go through hell for him. Uh, and then with the Usos uh, forfeiting their, you know, forfeiting their, their part in the match and be tipping the table over onto Rowan to get the count out victory. I mean, just the fact it was a count out victory, uh, was an ingenious touch in its own right, um, you know. So there's, I think there's, there's, there's broad appeal for this for every demographic of wrestling fan, uh, for a variety of reasons that live up to everything pro wrestling can be, um, and I think WWE couldn't not have done this because it happened so closely removed to WrestleMania. You know, the Daniel Bryan thing felt irresistible because it had been his popularity been building for sort of the better part of a year and he was so deeply embroiled in the authority line. Like it, it became irresistible because of its tenured nature. It, it's kind of the opposite with this, where it became irresistible because it happened so suddenly so close to WrestleMania that it was immediately what people, what fans jumped to. Um, and then since then it just, it just gathered more and more steam became more and more irresistible and, and credit to WWE for going with it. You know, sometimes WWE, they get criticism when it's deserved. They sometimes get it when it isn't. They very rarely ever get credit when it's due. And and this is one instance where they should get credit where it's due uh, because they have absolutely just, just ridden this um, through to WrestleMania. And it's going to be a huge match on the night and a very memorable match on the night. And uh, I think it's a match that, you know, um, deserves uh, to be one of the most... Uh, uh, and I almost don't want to say it after what we've been saying all night, but one of the ones that, that the show is centered around, you know, one of the ones that gets some of the most attention, not because I want to see it fail or anything like that, quite the opposite, because it just deserves it. You know, it feels like an important match for a variety of reasons. So let it be an important match. And I think it will be. I mean, I, I talked on totally yeah. on, on your show about how, you know, it, it they've got three main events and essentially they've got like three mini pay-per-views. And at least that's how I would structure it. Um, this to me seems like it'd be great to be the second of those, go on two thirds of the way through, uh, great big emotional high. You get another great big emotional high with the women at the end of the night doing their historical thing. But it's also historic to have, um, you know, an African-American champion, uh, you know, walk out of the, of WrestleMania, uh, with the title. Um, because, you know, even the rock didn't do that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a sort of a very emotive match. And this is one I think that lends itself to a long run time. I'd be quite happy for this to be yeah. 25 minutes long. I think, you know, given that they're both wrestlers known for their endurance and known for their kind of perseverance, I, you know, I think it would make a lot of sense. And if I know Daniel Bryan and the form that he's been in, in the last six to eight months, 
he's going to be super motivated because actually when you look at Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania resume, 27, dark match, 28, 18 seconds, uh, 29, seven minute tag match, which is great by the way, but it's also a seven minute tag match. Um, you know, 30 obviously gets his big night, 31, you know, wins a ladder match, but you know, kind of bittersweet because he didn't, you know, that was essentially his last proper match for a long, long time after that. And then last year, of course, you know, the tag match with Shane, which was a very tentative reintroduction for him. So to see him back on his WrestleMania, uh, I mean, really what you can say is on his WrestleMania 28 form, but he's going to get the match that he should have got at WrestleMania 28 uh, in a lot of ways. So to yeah. see him in that situation, I think he's going to be, because, you know, I always maintain that the 18 seconds, if that hadn't happened, he'd never have got as popular as he did. So it was really important. At the same time, I I would always be a little bit sad that we didn't get a barn burner between him and Seamus on that show. But it's it, it kind of is what it is. So, yeah, I hope they get a real lengthy um, match that has all the right emotional peaks and troughs. And Kofi at the end of it comes out the winner. New Day come out and celebrate. Feel good moment. And then, you know, if you want to have New Day turn him the next night, so be it. But um, on the night, it should be joyous. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, right. So uh, let's move on and look at your boy, Seth Rollins, um, who had a brilliant night on Raw, I thought. Uh, fantastic, passionate promo. Again, leaning into, to use your phrase of the night, um, <laughs> the idea of Lesnar being unwanted, an interloper in the locker room, a guy that doesn't care about the business, that needs to be sent packing so the brand can have a proper champion. And he then... I thought when they started doing the suplex, I was like, oh, here we go. It's got like, every other Lesnar segment ever where, like, you know, the babyface attacks but then gets suplexed. But no, Rollins actually did get the better of him in the go-home segment. Um, so um, Rollins has obviously, you know, talks the right game here as well in terms of not minding not going on last and, and, and championing the women, which is the right thing for him to have done. Um, so, I mean, like, I'm... I don't know what to expect from this, really. Uh, I like I said to you on Sports Center is dead. I think actually I've come around to the idea of it being a good uh, a, a good match. I mean, I was kind of skeptical uh, a few weeks ago that they would actually let it be that, but it seems like they are going to make it be a properly competitive match. But I don't know if this could, this could go eight minutes. It could go twenty. I just don't know. I think, in actuality for that reason and for others, it's probably the most unpredictable match of the night. I mean, it's so... Uh, for me, it's so stressful, but it's also... Um, so... Is exciting the wrong the right word? I don't know. Because, you know, sort of, if you'd have asked me the night after Royal Rumble, when Seth had won the Rumble, I'd, I'd have been like, yeah, no, it's a certain surefire thing Seth's going to win. Um... But then the you know the women's thing carried on being as hot as it was, and then Kofi got really hot as well, and then the whole context of the show started to change, and I think when that happened, uh, it kind of cast into doubt how this Universal Championship match is going to go, both from the perspective of like you say the kind of match that it will be, um, but also the result of it as well. Um, so it's really interesting in that sense. Because, like you say, it could go seven minutes. 
uh, it could go 25 minutes. I think Seth has enough precedent at this point, especially after last year, to demonstrate that whatever the match length, he can make it work and work really well. And ultimately, he got to this spot because of his record in the ring of, of having great matches. And I think people shouldn't lose sight of that fact. Um, I think I read earlier today that the, for the first time, the betting odds had shifted in favor of, of Lesnar instead of Rollins to win it. But at the same time, it was still like it was incredibly uh, like close uh, in terms of the difference between the two of them. And I wouldn't be shocked if that went back and forth. I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea what to expect. I have no idea what the result is going to be. I've, you know, on the one hand, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of talked myself into believing Brock's going to beat him. I think as a safety net to prevent me from being too disappointed, because you know I talked about if the match gets, if the show gets derailed, it'll be by Shane and Miz. But I think if this match. This Seth Brock match goes on, say, in the middle of the show with that spot that, like, the Triple H Rollins match had, which, to be fair, I think is probably a sensible spot for it to be. I'm not saying it has to be the only one, but it's a sensible place to put it. But Brock wins. Um, you know, that could have as, as de- de- detrimental effect as well. Not because people are as invested in this as they are, say, the Kofi match or even the women's match, but because I think people are just so sick of seeing Brock win to the point of apathy, which is really even worse than them hating it. You know, just to the point of uh, Brock wins again, fine, whatever. Um, but it could really take the wind out of the sails of a good show. I think Seth has to win it. I think Seth has to win it for his sake. I think Seth has to win it for the sake of Raw. I think Seth has to win it for the sake of the story. I think Seth has to win it for the sake of Brock. I think Seth has to win it for the sake of the show. Um, I just don't know if he does. Uh, I think all of those things, but I, I am more optimistic. I think he will win it. Um, I just think, I just think the way they built the story and I think they, I hope they've learned from what they did with Roman, um, last year. Right. So, you know, that was, that was unbelievably deflating to have Roman lose in that way after the storyline was entirely built around the fact that he was going to send Brock Lesnar, the part-timer off into, the wilderness and and then when he didn't do it and then didn't do it again at greatest rumble it was a bit like i mean what was the point of all of that so and then it got to SummerSlam and people didn't care they just wanted it to be over also it's always a bit uh odd and jarring when rumble winners don't win the title the Um, uh, i mean the the, the other thing that preys on my mind and, and it might just be me overthinking it but you know Rollins did get the last laugh on the go home show. And sometimes that's an indicator as to who's going to lose uh, come the pay-per-view because that's the kind of formulaic way WWE have written over the years. Um, I don't want to make too much of that, but it did, it did occur to me when it happened. But here's the thing, ultimately with all of this, with the, uh, and, and the thing is it's been such an, an evocative and emotive story. I mean, there's so much to this, you know, it climaxes a journey that Rollins character has been on really since the day he debuted on the main roster. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to get too hung up on the result to the point where I start to neglect, you know, just the incredible story that this is culminating regardless of what the result turns out to be. Um, but it's it's I've, I've lost my point. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, I mean, I think what you're going to say here is is about the fact that it's Rollins's journey. And if Rollins's journey doesn't end here in the right way, then they've essentially wasted three years of television. Um, more uh, more than that even you know so so like 
here's the other thing. They are massively committed to Seth Rollins. Like, he has made himself um, indispensable to them. I think they've shown that in a variety of ways. Um, you know, does Seth winning here mean we'll never see Brock Lesnar again? No. Vince can still get Brock Lesnar back whenever he wants. I think that's been made quite quite clear when he was meant to be done and he showed up at Hell in a Cell and nobody expected him to. So uh, I think you're perfectly safe to give Rollins the belt here and then if you want to bring Lesnar back at SummerSlam and have him do a program with somebody, you, they, Vince will be able to do that. So to me, I think Seth is a safe winner here. Um, I will be as disappointed as you if he doesn't because I think not only does the story demand it, I think he deserves it. Um, oh, absolutely. And, you know... Um, you know, he deserves uh, he deserves the kind of um, Bret Hart run with the belt. You know, and he doesn't have to keep it forever, but he deserves to kind of have that kind of fighting few months with the title and, I mean, and really put together a you know a, a sort of a, a brilliant resume of title defenses. Well, look what he did with the Intercontinental Championship last year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's all you have to do, isn't it? And and think, you know, you could easily just replicate that almost verbatim with the, with the Universal Championship and 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 beyond, and just be and 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 revitalize the product that way. Because yeah. essentially, Seth was the top champion on Raw for most of last year when Brock wasn't around. Which is the point, isn't it? And I think, yeah, uh, you know, do you remember the the one, uh, you know, the night when Reigns had won the Universal Championship from Leicester finally. And the next night he came out and, and immediately gave Balor a title match. Um, yeah. And it energised the product so much. So I remember Absolutely. like we were, we, uh, like we were talking about it on the pond. I wrote a column on it. It, it. it really just lifted everything. And I think, despite what, you, what some people may think, right, WWE, like, uh, higher-ups are not stupid. They know the benefits of having a champion that's there every week. So, yeah, I don't, I don't personally see any other outcome but Seth winning. It doesn't mean Lesnar's gone for good. That's the, that's the only downside of it to me. I, I, I really, really want to feel the same way. I just, I, I, whether I've just been browbeaten by WWE over the last couple of years, particularly, to just expect with Brock Lesnar, particularly the most catastrophic possible decision making yes, that, that's certainly true I, I can't I can't unmarry myself from that so I'm just I'm you know <laughs> it's stressing me out <laughs> yeah no I, mean, I can understand that right because we you know like Brock the Brock Lesnar thing has burned everybody so many times like there was no way anybody thought Lesnar was leaving WrestleMania 34 with the title and yet he did you know, it, it wasn't just the fact that the match was garbage or because, you know, the reason why during the match was like, oh, my God, this is awful is because they were doing all this stuff like a million F5s or the rest of it. And it was like, right. And just so oh, right. This is just so Reigns can win. And everyone could be like, oh, Reigns, isn't he great? And then he doesn't even win. And that was what's so bizarre about it. Uh, so but you'd like to think they'd learn from all of that. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I, th- th- Ultimately, the be all and end all is even if Seth loses, like he's one of those performers who's proven that, you know, 
even if he uh, he always gets back to the top. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that you know, Reigns is one thing that I've really um, really appreciated in recent months since Reigns came back was that I think you got asked in an interview like what you know dream WrestleMania match or whatever. And for years and years, people have, it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're of this generation, they'd always go, oh, Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker or, you know. Reigns is really the first one to turn around and, and be asked that question, sort of say, well, Seth Rollins next year, me and him in the, you know, the main event. So there's a, there's, there's a desire there from the locker room as well for things to move forward from the top of the locker room. Obviously, Seth is very, very motivated to try and, and, and incur that change as well. And like you say, if... if if the night after WrestleMania you've got Seth as Universal Champion and Kofi as, as WWE Champion and Balor as Intercontinental Champion and Becky as World Women's Champion, you know someone's losing a title at some point soon after WrestleMania if that's the landscape. But it almost doesn't matter because, as we were saying with Mazzarelli, you've had that massive uplifting night. The product is completely crackling with 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 energy again. And you, like you say, sure Brock will probably come back at some point, but it doesn't matter because you you've you've given the whole product that boost. Um, and so while I think the Kofi match is the match that has kind of the most importance from a, from a wider uh, perspective, uh, and it's probably the one that has the most emotional investment and the Becky matches is, is the one that I think people have been married to the most for longest. I think the Seth Brock match is the one that is the most important from just from the perspective of the, the, the week to week quality of the product. And that's another interesting aspect of this WrestleMania is you've got these top three matches. You've got these three heroes that everybody desperately wants to see win. And they each have, you know, they each have their own niche in a, in a way. And, and I really like that aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it, it's great that, you know, Seth Rollins essentially represents all of our views in this, so I think everyone's yeah. been rooting for him. And plus, it's, it's it's very fitting as well. You know, like he walked out of thirty-one uh, with that champion that championship that he stole. Uh, this would be one that he wins himself legitimately. So there's that. Aspect at the end, too. at the end, at the end of his redemptive journey. I mean, it, it writes itself. You know, you've had the Shield farewell last month. Um, I mean, I would love to see. Since you suggested it, I can't get it out of my head. You know that idea of an Eddie uh, of an Eddie finish, uh, where Reigns spears uh, even Reigns and Dean both like you know Reigns spears him and, and Dean does a dirty deeds or something. Yeah. And I just think it'd be it's such an incredible moment and so symbolic, like the last act of this group that totally shattered the glass ceiling is to shatter another glass ceiling. Absolutely, like, is their last act like just it just it's. And of course, you know, there's the other element to that as well is they turned up uh, uh, to protect CM Punk when CM Punk was managed by Paul, Paul Heyman. Heyman. So, yeah, like, yeah, it's there's 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 so many uh, uh, little sort of uh, bits of subtext to this whole situation that WWE could easily capitalize on if they're if they're smart. Um, oh, that was what I was going to say earlier. Ultimately, all of it's moot because I've lost count of the number of, of the number of times I've read an article online where it says, uh, you know, the plan all along was this, and then Vince changed his mind an hour before the show. So ultimately, who wins and and how the matches and all the rest of it all depends on the Vin the mood Vince is in on the day and before the show. So you know, it's it's almost useless trying to predict any of any any of it. But um, I hope Seth wins. 
I'm preparing myself cynically for the worst. Uh, yes, there's always aspects, but yes, uh, let's let's uh, let's let's hope that uh, that Seth gets what he deserves here. All right, so we're finally on to the main event. The first time the women have ever main event to WrestleMania, uh, which is an incredible achievement um, in and of itself. It's actually sometimes like it's easy to get cynical at the women's thing because I, I think still it's it's much more a thing about um, you know people say as opposed to actually how it's really booked um but nevertheless you know sort of you go back to um what wrestlemania was it 29 i think when the bellas uh it was gonna be like a mixed tag match involving like the bellas and the funk and dactyls and uh cody and sandow and all that stuff uh tons of funk as well and it got nixed and there's a really um sad little backstage um segment from total divas the thing the first series of total divas i saw a clip of recently where essentially like uh nikki explains to i forget who it is to to one of the rest other wrestlers backstage their match has just been cut um because punk and taker went longer than intended and you know you have gone from that to six years later three women main eventing WrestleMania, which, so, you know, that shows you the progress. Um, so oh, yeah. taking, taking all was... cynicism aside, there's no doubt that it, that, that it has been a journey. Undoubtedly. And, and, you know, I was thinking along these lines the other day when I watched the Charlotte Asker match on SmackDown and I was like, nowadays, you know, in today's environment, uh, that Charlotte Asker match is kind of it. You know, it, it was a great match, but it was also, you know, one of what we expect will be dozens of great matches through the rest of this year. One of dozens of great matches we've already seen this year from the women uh, and the year before and the year before that. You go back to even beyond 29. You know, you go back to WrestleMania 31. Had that match happened on WrestleMania 31 which actually featured the Bellas versus AJ Lee and Page as things were beginning to turn, but they still had a long way to go. That Charlotte Asker match happened at WrestleMania 31. People would be talking about it as, you know, one of the all-time classics because it was the best women's match since, you know, 1995, if not before. Uh, and so, like, and now it's just a TV match that's done to build to a bigger match at WrestleMania. You know, so if that doesn't, like you like you're saying, you know, if these contrasts don't, don't demonstrate how far women's wrestling has come, uh, then I'm not sure what does. I don't know how I feel about the fact they announced this was going to be the main event before the, the, the show. Like that felt a little bit like a, a sort of a slice of artifice headline grabbing artifice for me, rather than it just on the night happening to be, you know, the last, that tweet that you and I were interacting with Doc about earlier on the day of recording about, you know, these days they're too busy trying to make history to just let it happen. Um, it felt like one of those moments. But not to put a downer on it, yes, the, the storyline went from being self-evidently compelling to kind of a bit overcomplicated to just beyond ridiculous. Um, but it's the end game that matters more than it is, you know, the 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 particular storyline that got us to it because ultimately it wasn't just one storyline that got us to this point was it the the point of this match is that it is the culmination of 
excuse me, <clears throat> of years and years of, of effort and hard work from this generation of female talent to to break down barriers that no matter how much WWE want to re you know rewrite the, the historical narrative of this being a gradual thing that's just happened over decades and decades and generations that we've always headed to this no it, you know it's not um and while i still remain not that big a fan of the fact that rousey has been there for a year and essentially benefited from the hard work of other women that i feel perhaps deserve the spot she has here a little bit more ultimately rousey's the headline grabber so i understand why she's there um she has held her own in the ring to a good enough degree um and it should be a, a fun match, I'm sure. I feel like it'd probably be better if it was one-on-one, but, um, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, again, you know, a match with greater symbolic meaning, a, a match coming at a timely uh, a timely point uh, in our history and, and uh, you know, ultimately quite a historic moment. Yeah, no, agreed. And I think the thing is as well is we've got here this year... And it may be that if they'd gone with the original plan of Charlotte and Rousey, we'd have got here anyway. But the fact that Becky Lynch got so organically hot is, I think, what's led us here. And, and that's an aspect of it which I think is a little bit underrated, which is a female star without WWE, um, you know, trying to get us there pretty much by herself got so hot that she couldn't not be in the match and couldn't not be closing out WrestleMania. And you and I both think that WWE, um, you know, like, or should I rephrase that? Sorry. We both think that Becky uh, and the effectiveness of Becky in that character has been a little bit overstated, but it almost doesn't matter because the fact is, people like it. And, you know, I think Doc said something quite interesting about this a while ago, and I might be misquoting him. But he said something along the lines of, you know, if you were not of the age to have seen Stone Cold and his rise, and this was the first time you were seeing something that organic, or even Daniel Bryan, right? If this was your first experience as a wrestling fan of seeing somebody get organically that hot, then you'd love it. And it always doesn't matter that she's overacting and, and, and that like they've done so many twists and turns of the storyline and it's been a bit self-conscious. I'm not sure if it matters. And I think sometimes you have to take the critic hat off and just go, people really like it. Uh, well, I, I mean, the irony in the entire situation is I'm not sure. I think what you're saying is is accurate. Um, but the irony in it all is I'm not sure that it would have happened had WWE not decided to turn her heel. I mean, that's, yeah, that is the know, great irony. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing about it all, isn't it? Is they, they it was their decision to make her into a bad guy <laughs> that that made everyone love her. Um, which I think is about as, as as succinctly as you could possibly even try to sum up wrestling over the last ten years. Uh, you know, I mean that just puts it all into into a into a handy little demonstration, doesn't it? Um, we're going to turn her heel. She becomes the most popular act uh, since Daniel Bryan. 
Um, and of course, that's how it started with Daniel Bryan, to be fair. You know, like, it, it's always the heel turn that allows them to show the personality, CM Punk as well, like, that gets them to this point. So, yeah, you are right. WWE do actually, um, you, you do have them to thank for, uh, for for a lot of this. But, but you know, nevertheless, I just I just think it's probably worth noting that for all of WWE's um, tendency to kind of artificially crowbar things in and claim they started this revolution and that revolution, all that kind of stuff, which, as, as we've said before, is historically bogus. Um, I do feel like they've made it here on merit and have made it here because it it was the thing that people most wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk down achievements. I think this, this WrestleMania was always going to be closed out by women the minute that Ronda Rousey was sticking around long enough to be there. Um, but like you say, it, it's it's you almost don't want to get bogged down in the minutiae of it all. But I, it, it's the one thing that I will say is I want to I want to defend Charlotte a little bit um, because you know the the onus has been of the discussion has been about Becky Lynch, perhaps quite rightly so. Um, I think this notion that's been doing the rounds that Charlotte is an intrusion in this match who doesn't warrant be, doesn't deserve to be there. I think that's harsh on her and I think that's unfair on her because I think that, you know, if this is the culmination of, you know, the revolution and then the evolution, uh, then Charlotte more than deserves to be there because she's she's more than put her own hard work in. People forget that when Becky, um, you know, because the thing with Charlotte is she, it's kind of cool to hate on Charlotte, isn't it? Because she's Charlotte Flair. You know, she's the quote unquote, company's chosen girl. Um uh, and I know that you're not perhaps as big a fan of her as, as say I am in the ring, but I think she's she's a fantastic talent in the ring. I think she's shown herself to be a fantastic talent just from a character perspective. I think when Becky started to to really get hot last year, Charlotte did well to rise to the occasion in her own right. You've got to have two people ultimately to have an awesome match, and there's a reason why they always had awesome matches together. And it was because Becky was awesome, but it's also because Charlotte was awesome. Um, you know, and historically they've always had great matches with each other as well. The match they had at Royal Rumble in 2016 was fantastic. The match that they had at WrestleMania 32 with Sasha was fantastic. You know, so it, to me, I think Charlotte more than once been there, and I think that it's been a little bit unfair on her for people to be sat there saying that she shouldn't be in the match. And it's, and I understand why people are saying it because they've been so uh, behind the notion of Becky versus Ronda, and I don't disagree that that was the natural story to tell with Becky versus Ronda. And then to do Charlotte versus Asuka. And in fact, I would prefer to be seeing Charlotte versus Asuka. Um, but the context that this match has been given by the company, uh, I think it's just a little bit too much on the harsh side for me to accept this idea that Charlotte has absolutely no right to be involved in this match and shouldn't be. And I imagine it's a vocal minority that are saying that. But it, it, you know, I just wanted to to put my defence in for her because I think that she. Uh, she's earned a spot in that, and I think she's done well to rise to the occasion of um, this whole scenario, this whole situation. Now, interestingly, I think people's opinions about Charlotte have changed over the, like the last two weeks because I haven't seen much of that since Fastlane. I haven't seen as much of it, and I think I think the reason is is because. They've got that that brilliant triple threat dynamic of Charlotte being the clear heel, Rousey being the kind of 
I guess she's the tweener. Uh, and then Becky being the sort of overwhelming face, but she's a kind of badass face. Um, and I really think, I really think that Charlotte's done such a good job being the kind of entitled, I deserve to be here. I've been given this random SmackDown title match and, and you know, it's because of course I have been. Why would you even question why I would have this match? I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize anymore. Exactly. Yeah, and and I think I said to you on on your show that the the interplay of the characters has been really organic. You got entitled bloodline Charlotte. You've got um, Ronda Rousey with a chip on her shoulder because she's come from another combat sport with all these accolades, and she's achieved all this in one year. And people uh, aren't giving enough respect for it. It's almost like Hideo Itami. It's like show me respect. Um, <laughs> and you've got. Becky Lynch that is looking to prove it all, right? That she, or all the motor mouth stuff that she said is right. So you've got a great dynamic there. Um, have they messed about with it too much? Probably, yeah. But even that, in recent weeks, I think they've done better. I think the twists they've had in recent weeks have been better. I think the brawl they did at the end of Raw was really fun. Um, like you said, last week Charlotte beat Asuka match was a really great TV match. Now that they have decided to make it winner take all, having both those belts in there makes a lot more sense. Has it been the weird new gen stip with, you know, whoever pins the person the title gets that title and, you know, all the rest of it, then it might have been a bit jarring. But I think now it is winner takes all. It's a properly high stakes match and um yeah, I hope they go I hope they go to town with it. I hope they have fun. Uh, well, I mean, we're going to have to disagree there. I'm not prepared to give them any passes on on any part of the. I mean, the Asuka match is great, but the I'm not prepared to give them any passes on any of the TV. I think that I think they've they've taken um, something that, that that's still compelling, but could have been twice as more compelling if they hadn't have booked up the the TV as badly as they did. We do it. It's overwrought, overproduced, overwritten, overly complicated, shark jumping nonsense. Uh, and I and I don't think that it, it makes a jot of sense for both titles to be on the line or to be even involved in the match. I don't understand why, you know, from an in-universe perspective, Ronda would have a SmackDown women's title opportunity. Essentially, that's what it boils down to, or why Becky would when she chose Ronda to wrestle at WrestleMania, just because Charlotte's won the... Ch- I, I, I just think it's been a convoluted mess. But I, it's it's, again... No one's going to remember that in five years' time when they're looking back on the on this. They're going to remember the match. And, you know, it's also worth remembering, and I always say this about the WrestleMania 32 match, I think people underestimate how important it was for the WrestleMania 32 match to deliver the goods on the night because of the, the crucial point in time at which it happened uh, in terms of, you know, when you talk about the revolution and the evolution. And I think the same applies here. You know, this is the first time the women are closing out WrestleMania. It's been made into a, quite rightly, into a big deal by WWE. They're playing this as deliberately as a historical narrative. Uh, the women have to deliver on the night because if the match is, you know, is 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 inescapably bad, and I don't think there's really any risk of that, but if it was, for whatever reason... You know, if they just don't click or if the chemistry isn't there or anything like that, if it's badly produced, if the producers have a bad night, then then, you know, it could be something of a of a, a bit of a egg on face moment for them. Um, I think it's I think it's it's 
I think the high stakes for me, more so than the than the titles, is is just the 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 immense pressure that they've now put these female performers under. And I think if anything, that's probably to the benefit of the match because Charlotte and Becky last year proved they're capable of rising to those big occasions. Um, and I mean, to be fair to Ronda as well, when you know I was a fan of her first title match with Nia Jax when in the bank last year. I was a fan of the match she had with Charlotte fan of the match she had with Sasha, so she's proven that she can rise to, to big occasions as well. So high pressure environment, like you said, high stakes, you know, um, and a, and a, and a historic moment. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna beyond anything else. It's gonna be very very interesting just to to experience it. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a huge a huge experience. I mean, I remember <laughs> I remember when they. They first did the uh, the women's triple threat, and they had Sasha come out of the car, and they had um, uh, Duke Dog rapping. Yeah, did she not? Was she not in a car? Was that the next year? Duke, she was not on. Yeah, you know, that was the next year. Yeah, it was the next year. Yeah, um, but yeah. So the other fact they've done those kind of you know big entrances for the the women's match. I think you know Charlotte's robe was made out of one of Ric Flair's robe, or even the robe that he wore in his last he match won. against Michaels. And so they've 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 leaned into the production of those matches before, and so this should be an even bigger deal. They're getting Joan Jett uh, to to actually do Ronda's uh, music live, which is great because I'm a big Joan Jett fan. So that'd be that'd be fun. Bit of uh, early eighties punk in there. Um, and those and those, I mean, those live entrances, I think always come off well. I mean, I think that Triple H had a couple, didn't he? The one. Yeah. When Motorhead singing to the ring at WrestleMania 21, I think is is electrifying to this day when you watch it back. And I think CM Punk at 29 when he had Living uh, Color, yes, uh, play him to the ring was was fantastic. As well. I think they always come off. Undertaker at uh, 19. Oh yes, his his last uh, WrestleMania is the American Badass. Uh, good Indeed. times. Um, so. So yeah, I think that, yeah they're going to do the big the big production. They're going to make it an, an event, and some of it might be a bit self conscious, but I, despite having been cool on Rousey all the way through in a triple threat, I actually think that you're going to get the better, you know, you're going to get the best of her out of that out of that because she doesn't have to carry anything, you know. She can let the two more experienced hands guide the way, and she can just be what she is, which is a you know a premier athlete and and somebody that's kind of um, offers a lot of legitimate menace. So yeah, I I I've really really talked myself into it being good. I have to say. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and uh, like you said, I mean, ultimately people are into it. So you've got to think, even at the end of a seven-hour show, you've got to think people are going to wake up for it. Yeah, and I know what like like we said, if they construct the car properly. It shouldn't be a problem that you know what I mean yes. for the, for them to be at that point. So you know, and everyone's looking forward to this. Like you know, I, I you know I haven't seen any wrestling fans anywhere that are, that are like, oh god, why would we want to watch the women on last? Like everyone thought universally <laughs> it was the right decision, apart from uh, superstar Billy Graham, who is about ninety. <laughs> I mean, superstar Billy Graham had a ration book. You know what I mean. Uh, but yeah um, that that probably means he's going to wrestle Triple H next year (sighs) 
can you imagine? Like, you know, in, in WrestleMania 4, like, Superstar Billy Graham is Don Morocco's manager, and he looks about 105 then. <laughs> Goodness Listen, me. If it's, if, it's, if it's related to Don Morocco, then you're not allowed to criticise it. Uh, I mean, Don Morocco's tie-dye t-shirt phase is, is one of my favourite things. <laughs> um, by the way, just as, as we've gone on that, on, touched on that note, Plan's been doing his 35... Um, favourite, not best, but favourite matches uh, thread on Twitter, which is fantastic. So go and check that out at LAP Plan, just because it's really interesting to see um, his choices. Uh, just before you, you carry on, it's also very funny for me, because I get a silent running commentary from the choices Mav approves and doesn't approve, depending on whether he favourites the tweet or not. That is that is terribly true. Uh, <laughs> but, but if I were doing mine, Don Morocco v Ted DiBiase from WrestleMania 4 would definitely be one of mine. It, do you know it was it, it it would it almost made the cut when I was kind of thinking about what the list would be, but it would probably be just it probably just missed out. It'd be probably maybe like thirty seven or thirty eight. So everyone could guess what mine would be, right? You know, that Canon connection would be Morocco and uh, <laughs> and Orson. That would be in there. Uh, you should totally do it. I would I would love to see it. Yeah, I might. Okay, that might be my weekend job then. I, I might I might construct yeah. that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what were we saying? I can't remember why he started to talk Don Morocco now, but we, we managed to get from Ronda Rousey to. to... Don Morocco versus Ted. Oh, no, oh, Superstar Billy Graham didn't want them to. Didn't want them to main event. Uh, but yeah, like I think generally speaking, everyone's seen that it's it's the right thing. If WWE does the right thing in terms of the racial the racial harmony thing of, of having Kofi walk out of the championship, the um, equality uh, the equality of having the women main event, and you know they they kind of have all of those social dynamics at play that's a huge step forward i mean we'll just kind of um briefly forget that they're off to saudi arabia again soon having said that well this yeah i mean this is it but that might be a reason why they they go all in yes that's true also that's true also um but you know and and like we've been saying all night all night long on this show though like Go all in with Kofi. Go all in with with Becky, and go all in with Seth because the you know it makes you wonder if they do do that. Like if they there's a part of you that kind of goes maybe there's been a bit of a been a bit of a secret genius going on with the awfulness of the product over the last few months. Um, also, they could just have this elated moment at WrestleMania, but we'll see. But you know, being putting aside the sort of the glib remarks, it it would it would. Can you imagine again just how you think back to what it was like the night after SummerSlam? Just think about once you amplify that by the power of three, just how much more just instantly reinvigorated that product would feel uh, if you went all in with those three big winners at the very least, um, and and went from that point on to you know uh, a spring and summer focused entirely on the contemporary generation of talent like that's. That's that feels irresistible when you start to think about it. Yeah, and you know, WrestleMania for me is always it's a waypoint, right? And I know for some people it's the culmination. For me, I'm always more interested to see what comes after it, um, because if you look back historically, you know, after WrestleMania 13, a lot of interesting things started to happen, right? Um, after WrestleMania 14, the Attitude Era started to to, to really to really open itself up after WrestleMania 17, you know, we had um, the invasion stuff, which I found fascinating after, um, you know, after, 
WrestleMania 21, you had essentially like a, a kind of reset with Cena and Batista at the top. Um, so you, you've always got these kind of things that happen after WrestleMania. After 31, you had that great period where Rollins was the lucky champion with the authority backing him up, you know. So I'm always interested to see what comes afterwards. So if what comes afterwards is, you know, the, the top of the cards being, you know, Seth and Kofi and Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. And, you know, suddenly you can see like some good pay-per-views coming up um, to take us to SummerSlam. And let's face it, if SummerSlam last year is an indication, SummerSlam is the year-long fans WrestleMania now. It's becoming that, isn't it? I think that's the kind of what it might end up legitimately becoming. And, you know, and, and that's, I mean, I've made my peace with that. So, you know, if this WrestleMania ends up being really good, I'll be really, really happy. Like I say, best case scenario is this is 31 Mark II. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, the, 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 I'm confident, I remain confident that they can, they can get a seven-hour WrestleMania right and that they can make it fun. Me too. I, I, and I've only come but to they, that conclusion. They have to, they have to go in with their eyes open, and they have. And this is this has always been the biggest challenge for WWE. It's what Vince particularly struggles the most with is they have to go in with their eyes open, and they have to understand where it went wrong in the past, and they have to address it and fix it. And that comes in two forms. It comes in the form of making sure, as you know, as we keep banging on about, you keep the crap short, and you keep the stuff people are most emotionally invested in. You know, you give that the time. And the second is, have make sure you pick the right winners. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Just those two things together, and I'm confident they can do one of these fun, like you know, just just nail this seven-hour WrestleMania lock. Absolutely, and I've only I've only really come to this conclusion in the last week, but because I've been the biggest opponent of of these epic length shows for the longest time, but no, I've come to the conclusion they can get this right. And even if even if this year is just a step in the right direction, you know, even if it's just an improvement on 32, 33, 34 in terms of handling that, uh, I will go away well satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I may feel differently at at, <laughs> at 5 a.m. in the morning, wired and uh, and disappointed if certain people don't win certain matches. But I'm confident I will arrive at that conclusion in, in due course after the fact. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, uh, I I have uh, gone from being in the pit of despair about a month ago to having walked back from the ledge a little bit and, and sort of um, I'm slowly. It's a slow process. But by Sunday, I'm, I'm confident that I'm going to be because, of course, we've got takeover as well. You know, and it's a good takeover card. Um, and then you get the Hall of Fame as well, though that's kind of you know whatever. Take or leave the, it, yeah. But um, you know, Takeover always helps get you a bit more amped up, doesn't it? Because it's always a good show. And then, uh, yeah, come WrestleMania Day. I mean, one thing I always like about WrestleMania weekend as well is when they start putting all the videos up on YouTube of stuff like fan access and everything going around the city. And uh, I said it last week, and I'll I, you know I say it again. It's to me, it's become much more like a music festival than it has the Super Bowl. You know, because it's it's there's just an atmosphere about it that's 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 difficult to resist, even when you're in the most cynical mindset. But you know, after having after doing seed and after doing this show as well, uh, you kind of arrive at the conclusion as you talk these things through. That you go, ah, no, it it could be very good. 
Uh, plus, you know, I, I, I don't watch um, shows live very often. So when I do have a chance to watch a show live, you know, you, uh, you know it's, it's, it's good to get invested. And, in, you know, watching wrestling can be a lonely business sometimes. Um, yeah. And so actually watching it in the company of the entirety of Twitter is is sometimes like a really cheering thing as well. So, yes. Um, all right. So let, let's end on that really positive note then. WrestleMania um, 35. It still is bizarre to me. We've got to this kind of a number. Um, only 15 away from WrestleMania 50, which is just wild to me, really. Um, my first one was... Oh, I wonder... I wonder who Triple H is going to wrestle on that one. It's mad, isn't it? My first one was six. So it's just like, <laughs> it's mad. My um, first one was, was 14. There you go. Um, and my uncle fell asleep. Uh, so I only got like from The Rock and Shamrock to the end of the show. Oh. I'm trying to remember the order of WrestleMania 14 goes. <laughs> Which I think is, I think it ended, I think, basically, I think it ended up like I saw uh, the Brothers of Destruction in the main event and that was about it I think in the uh, got you wow well those you know those um, taping things off Sky really were uh, the, <laughs> those, those really were days only the OGs will remember that <laughs> um, alright so from the right side of the pond happy takeover happy Hall of Fame happy Wrestlemania weekend get your snacks in Get your Twitter app ready and enjoy the show. If anyone is listening to this actually in New York about to go to the show, I, I hope it's as amazing as an experience as um, as you imagine it must be to be there in that kind of an atmosphere. It is essentially wrestling mecca. So have a really great time if you are attending. And for those of you watching on TV, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see you there. Um, so from the right side of the pond... Uh, from myself and from Plan and, of course, from Mazza, who only made a cameo today, just a run-in. Um, That's it, all the Mazza we need. Indeed. Uh, he kept we, it short. We basically, <laughs> yeah, what, we, what we've done on the pond is basically tell WWRT to keep the crap short. So. <laughs> there we go. We'll be the pond without a bit, without a bit of uh, shade thrown between each other. So, uh, for the right side of the pond, happy WrestleMania, and we'll see you next week to break it all down. Bye.